Alrighty, listeners. Welcome to Two Piece, still in a Dreadclaw. Oh. Vigilus has fallen. Imperium Nihilus is cut off. The Nakman Gauntlet has collapsed. And, uh, yeah, it's all gone wrong. Um, I'm chuffed. And actually, I've made up a lot of that as well. But <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember reading any of that. <laughs> it is, yeah, well, yeah, it's in the bit that I added on the end in Byro. <laughs> Guys, it's lovely to be back. We're sorry we've had a bit of a break. Um, ben was doing his hair. Um, and, you know, that's that's taken a few t- a little while to do. So, um, today... Ben, how are you, anyway? It's been a month. It, it has been a ben, month, yeah. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty ropey today. I've had a of a migraine, but we're all right. Well, I think that is the weight of the failure of the loyalists bearing down on your mind. Probably is. Yeah, I think so. So, we shall do on the hobby desk, as we always do. We've got some bits to talk about, mostly chaos in my mind, and um, (laughs) chaos of a different form that's bouncy and colourful in in Ben's. Um, Then we'll go into the Galaxy of War probably more chaos to discuss there unsurprisingly um moving into the mortal realms you probably know already so there's no point even saying it well we'll be talking about there and um then hail to the community so we're going to do something a little bit different this time we're going to um talk through the community survey that games Workshop has just put up uh, and what we feel what sort of answers we, we would make to the three areas that they've asked people to comment on uh, and then lastly, we're going to go wild. <laughs> that's not that's not the kind of wild that, that anyone wants. That's not a night out kind of wild. <laughs> not really, mate. <laughs> that's like that's the type of wild though. When you get to to thirty two, you know, cup of tea, sat down in front of the yeah, telly, watching. Wild is choosing Netflix over friends. That's wild. And it, and if I if I stay up past like half ten, that's wild now. Yeah. So that's why I refer to these as us having a wild night. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough rabbiting on. Let's get into talking about some hobby, guys. You know what to do. Grab some refreshments. We'll see you on the hobby desk. Hi guys, and welcome back to episode 42's Hobby Disc. Um, it's been a while, so we're probably going to forget at least half of what we've painted over the last four weeks. I'm going to so, go um, out on a limb and say that I've painted things red with gold and um, snow bases. Uh, yeah, but new red, new gold. Same old snow bases. Listen, there's nothing same old about my snow bases, okay? <laughs> Those bases are birthing an entire realm. Yeah, yeah. That a snow is, a, is snow. a immaculate... Mi- Mary Berry would want that recipe. She probably would. It's like frosting on a coconut cake. Yeah, I reckon. Hang on. Now we're talking about Mary Berry. This, and food. And, and food. And I've mentioned cups of tea. Oh my We're already goodness. well off topic. Where are we doing? <laughs> so let's start with you then, because you've done some bouncy stuff. Just moving around on the chair. Sorry. Right. Well, I've I've just had a look through Instagram to try and work out what it what I have painted since um uh since the last episode, and um I think I finished my Iron Snake as well. Yes. Um, which I'm I was really I think you did. 
that that grey is fantastic. Yeah, thanks, dude. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry. He looks wonderful. I couldn't resist. No, though. well, it's always the worry, isn't it, when you're painting like non-metallic metals that people will just think it looks like a car. Do you remember when is it was it Rackham and Confrontation? It was the first time I saw non-metallic metals being used on like a large scale, and I. I didn't really get what they were doing because it, they didn't look to me, in the pictures at least, very, mu- very much like metal. They looked a little bit like just like a colour. Mm. So when they were doing the gold, it looked, it, it looked like bone, to me, yellowy bone. Um, I, well, as, as the thing time went on, they got a lot better, and I started to get what they were doing. And I, I guess that kind of, well, that company in particular, I think, it did a, quite a lot to push non-metallic metal in the painting scene but um yeah it was really tough actually <laughs> for the first time but it was it was really good fun took me a hell of a time to paint though won't be doing that very often he looked really it was weird though because like you normally are like churning stuff out yeah um but it, yeah i mean he looked fantastic and i think it was lovely that you chose to do an iron snake as well it was probably the wrong color to have chosen to do a shiny reflective surface um because it is a darker gray like a dark bolt gun gun metal gray and then i had the gun metal on the gun really really enjoyed painting the gold on it i mean that that for me was my favorite bit because it was in little small areas and i could think about it and i used darren latham's guide from um from his uh his blog and also and i've you know i there's a reason I hesitated because I had this number in my head, but it's in the white door with the blood angels on the front. He did a fantastic guide on how to paint the sanguinor. Do you remember? Um, yeah. And I used that. Yeah. I had that open next to me, and um, and and now I want to paint the sanguinor because <laughs> like to do it across the whole model. But <laughs> it it was it was a bit of a revelation. I felt like really for the first time, I'd I'd opened that door, and um, yeah, just really enjoyed it it took me like a, a whole painting night to paint a leg though dude and that's the sort of pace i was going <laughs> so that's like five hours to paint a leg because i would i would agonize over a- every transition that wasn't right every blend that wasn't right and go back and redo it and until it was perfect whereas normally if i'd if I painted like one of the squigs and one of the blends or one of the transitions wasn't great i'd be like ah you know no one's going to sit and scrutinise yeah. it for hours. Um, yeah, I, I was really chuffed that I chose the Iron Snake, actually, retrospectively. I don't know why I chose to do the Iron Snake. I think it's because when we were talking about painting that model, the Iron Snake was the one that we thought would be best suited for it. It would mean the most. Mm. Um, it has meant that now I'm looking at them and I've been searching the hashtag Iron Snakes and having a really good old think about whether I want to do Iron Snake um, Primaris Army, like as a little, you know, add add units to my company. Because the fourth (laughs) company of Iron Snakes died in in Acadia to a man. So the company that I I have is the fourth company, and they're all all gone, kaput. So they they would be theoretically replaced by a Primaris company, wouldn't they? Yeah. So I'm the... I like, you know, uh, see, Cadia was, Cadia was a little bit earlier on, wasn't it? It would, it would have been cool if you could have just said that, like, 
one of them one of them survived Priad had survived and but like on the brink of death so they put him they put him in stasis and then after Marnius Calgar proved that you could be made into a Primaris they used that process yeah. to turn him into a Primaris and save him yeah and then he he becomes your new it would be cool wouldn't it I yeah. I mean there's, it'll be no one's ever going to write that background and I, I don't well Dan Abnett might do Brothers of the Snake too. I'd be interested to see what he, he his thoughts on what would have happened to Pryad would be, but he's definitely the fourth company is definitely on the list, mind you. Having said that, in the book there is there are no companies. I don't think they don't talk about companies. They they cast their tokens as a squad whenever an operation is listed, and then the the tokens get chosen from the the whatever it is, urn vase. Cauldron of Steel, I don't remember. And um, the the captains select their squads and go off. So they don't, they don't work as, in the book, they don't work as a traditionally kind of fully codex chapter. Um, unless, mm. of course, they, you, they're casting our tokens as squads within the company, you know, to do it. But they never mentioned that it was the fourth company. I, I kind of chose that because, and put Pryad in it. Because it had never been mentioned, so Pride could be in another company, and I could just start a whole new one. <laughs> yeah, but there we go. I, that, I really enjoyed him. Um, I might enter him into Golden Demon, actually, Dan. I said I was. I said I was going to do it yeah. at some point. I've got no illusion that it's going to do very well um, because it's going to be in forty k single miniature, and the, the quality of models in that is far, far ahead of what I'm doing. Um, I'd literally bounce around like a squig with happiness if it got a finalist pin, but it, we'll see. <laughs> um, so, squig hoppers were next. Uh, do you know, it took me a, a little while, maybe a week, to sort of pluck up the energy to do them um, because they're really quite intimidating models. Yes. There's a lot going on, and I made it hard for myself because I wanted them all to be different co- colours. To match the first squad of squig hoppers I did, like the test squad, but then I had there was there isn't enough. There's not much green skin on them, so I there was it was difficult to tie them all together. So um, it's a good job I the, the armor was there in some ways to tie them together, and also the um, I made sure the lances were all the same colors as well mm. to tie them together. But you've got loads of little things going on, like the mushrooms and. Uh, you know the the different kind of cloaks, if you will, that I've done, and the, the stuff that's going on the bases, the smoke coming out like the puffer mushrooms. There's so many colours in there that I was trying to tie together and keep with the army. I found it. It took me a week of just sat. You know, do you, do you go through like that process where you're looking at a model and thinking, "Oh, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to do it? What colour am I going?" I suppose not. You just paint them all red and gold. But yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I, it took me a while of thinking, and um, but I'm really happy with how they turned out. They were a big effort, though. It took three weeks to paint. Um, I won't be adding a squad of them, another unit of them, quickly. I can tell you, they look incredible. Though you, the bases, as again, are just outstanding. Thanks, dude. I'm really happy with that basin scheme. It doesn't take me that long now either. Now I've got the habit of it. Um, 
I was worried I'd forgotten how to do it because I hadn't written down how I did it for my Iron Jaws anywhere. It's like, oh. <laughs> but uh, it ended up all right. I um, I was quite happy with how the armour turned out because it's a lot smaller and all the other armour I've done on my Iron Jaws has been done using an airbrush. And uh, I think I did... Steel Legion Drab, and then I think it's Kemri. I can't quite remember, but like a mid-colour. Is that it there? Kemri or Talon, I think. And then um, uh, Pallid Witch Flesh. And then Fine, I uh, fine Edge highlighted with Pallid Witch Flesh. Well, that, it, you, I couldn't do those colours on the model, so I ended up going with Rakarth Flesh, washed back with Agrax Earthshade, and then re-highlighted because... The, the armour was, was a much smaller part of what I was painting. Mm-hmm. And it's tied it in okay, so I was quite happy with that. It doesn't look as, as nice as the Iron Jaw stuff in a lot of ways because the airbrush just gets that lovely transition you can't really do quickly on another, on a, you know, with a brush for a squad. So, yeah, I'm really happy with those. Um, and then this week I started the Manga Squig and the Loom Boss on a Squig. Um, the Mangler Squig is just an absolutely phenomenal model. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh, it really is. It really, really is, isn't it? Um, it's so, it's so dynamic. I think next time I'd be very tempted to do it in sub-assemblies because as much as it's, like, I thought I, I'd be able to get to a lot of it and put it together. I, I, I didn't mention this when I was talking about the Squig Hoppers, but with all of them, painting the inside of the mouths was an absolute nightmare um so i will probably next time i do a unit of them um do the mouths on the sprue before i put them at the back of the mouths before i put them together because you just getting a brush in there is a nightmare and i can see the gray plastic in there especially the more darker you make the model the more obvious it becomes um i the Mangler Squig again, I, like I said just before we went on air, that I ended up having to shove the airbrush right up against a crack and just sort of angling it in and all around, trying to cover everything with something to try, <laughs> to try and get it to look dark. Um, much swearing was involved, um, but it, it it's all right now. But it was a real pain, and I think I probably next time I will do the mouth separately because I got to do. I've done the Mangler Squig with the Loom Boss on top because I wanted to have an armoured one. Um, and I was always what my... I find. Sorry, go on. I was going to say it was all my always my intention to have one of each. So I started with the armored one. What I find really hard about sub assemblies, especially with new models, not and like new new, as in they've just been released, is you want to see them built. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, and I and and sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I could just stick that last bit on. I could just stick that on. Yeah, I could stick that on. <laughs> You can't help yourself. I I I found um, Adeptus Titanicus is is really tough for that. Yeah, because you you really it's so much easier to paint with the armor plates off. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the bits where you have to put them on to actually build the structure, they just become a pain in the butt. Um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and it's if it feels like such a drag that project because you're you're painting all separately and you're like oh god and then you like almost two-thirds of the way through you put it together and you're like oh yes it looks so awesome (laughs) yeah absolutely i um 
Oh, what was I going to say? Uh, sub-assembly is the bit that I don't get. And it's the mod- models are never perfect. And you're always going to get gaps where you put two pieces together that aren't necessarily perfect. I, I cannot... With a lot of things, it's obvious you know, how you're going to hide them or you can choose a, a sub-assembly where it's, it's not going to show that much. But I cannot really work out how how some of like these top-end painters and you see them painting things in bits when they put it together firstly how they don't have any gaps that are that obvious and secondly how they don't smear their glue or get a massive glue catastrophe because even putting together my space marine his uh, bolt gun slid off a little bit and dragged his plasticky glue arm all the way across the back of the bolt gun and just took off all the paint i was like i hate you like i actually hate you yeah and had to go back and redo it all again. And I could see me doing that with a big model and just wanting to cry. So I, that's the bit I don't get about it. How, when you've done it in the sub-assemblies that you would have to do to get inside the mouth and under the squig, you've got to put it together at some point. And how how do you do that when without having a complete gluey mess? Because <laughs> plastic glue will strip the paint off, and, and super glue leaves that white kind of smoke across surfaces, I find, if you, if you get some, I don't know. So that's one for me to work out in the future, I think. But yeah, so they're they're nicely on their way, those two. Um, I've done the squig boss on a white squig just to make him stand out. And I'm going to sort of have it in the back. I've had it in the back of my head that white squigs are a bit like, you know, yellow dragons. He's essentially the orc version of Shadowfax. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I kind of thought that, you know, maybe like the white squig would be like a really popular kind of mount but very rare because perhaps that they were slightly more intelligent and were quite happy being ridden into battle because they quite enjoyed it um <laughs> so they were more controllable so you know the rider could because the the loom boss is it's just a fantastic model it's a it's an, a classic old model that one with a spear he looks properly in it. he's got a dwarven helmet i didn't realize that until i started painting him He's nicked a dwarven helmet. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'm well into those. Right, I've had, I've rambled on for hours, dude. Um, I want to hear what you've been up to. Um, so I have, I had the absolute joy to get a new battle tome, um, in the form of the new Blades of Corn book, uh, and that came along with a skull shrine or altar of skulls or something like that. It's called Wizard's Tower. <laughs> Yeah, Wizard Sour and uh, Endless Spells. Yep. So glad we're on the same page now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I had the Judgments and the Skull Altar of Skulls, and yeah, so I built. I must say, mate, that Altar of Skulls went together so well. It's gorgeous. So both that and the Judgments are the ones where they're designed in Nottingham, but they're produced in China. Yeah. Um and they're made out of the the plastic has a more almost a denser feel to it. It's a bit resiny, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and previously, I um certainly I remember Storm of Magic and the terrain that came out with that. Um and a few other pieces have have not gone together as well as um other things. Uh yeah. they've been, been a lot more challenging. These absolutely incredible me i think i said to you certainly said to someone i reckon if i'd left them on my desk next to each other they'd have just put themselves together overnight 
Yeah. It, it was just, just, it was just so enjoyable because of that. So, um, and the mold lines as well, really, really like maximized having them on like place on like corners and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you couldn't really see them. Um, so really impressed by those kits. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, I painted them, um, really, really quite quickly, actually. I was really pleased, um, by how quickly they came out. And, and mostly that was driven by, a desire on my part to simplify the painting process for my corn. Yeah. Um, yeah, we spent a long time talking about it, didn't we? Yeah, and I, I just I just want, you know, I just would like... I, I think over the next few months, couple of years, I'm going to have less time. Um, so I'd like to be able to get a bit more done in the time I have. That's certainly yeah. one motivation. But also... I am a collector and I like to have collections, big collections. I like to have the range of units. Um, but I'm also not the most patient of people. Um, so I, I kind of felt like I had to make a choice to make a change if I was going to be able to sort of get the buzz that I was looking for. Um, so in that sort of quest, the sort of key area for me, the biggest one was the, um, the brass. Yeah. So previously, brass for me was a layer of Balthazar gold, then Agrax, uh, and then at least one, if not two coats of Sycorax bronze, and then um, an edge highlight of Vallejo silver. Yeah. And I was really happy with that, but it, it takes a long time, particularly building back over the Balthazar gold. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, there's the, 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 the skulls and the, the bone. So, again, typically the same sort of process. So, Zandri dust, Agrax, um, two or three coats of his shabti bone, screaming skull, and then maybe a spot of white. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the red was always corn red, Agrax, and then corn red painted on again, and then an edge of, uh, of Evil Sun Scarlet. So, very much Citadel kind of system. Looks nice. I'm happy. You know, it does look good, but just takes that bit of time. So the main principle I've gone with is starting or trying to start with a lighter color and use a more diluted wash. Yeah. So so all of the bone now, I'm starting with Screaming Skull. Um, yeah. And I'm also using my airbrush more. So I've been using the airbrush on some infantry size miniatures to try and get that bone color down yeah. because I can do it much faster with less coats. Yeah. Um, and with the red, it's corn red and then Zenith or spotted in certain areas with evil suns, but both through the airbrush. Yeah. Um, and having that lighter color means that then when I go in with a 50, 50 Agrax and an airbrush medium that I've got it, it doesn't like obliterate it so much that I then have to spend ages building back up through. Yeah. So that's made a big, that made a big difference. And then finally, and this is quite ironic actually, because we were talking about non-metallic metals. Um, we've gone for the, you've gone for the most metallic metal there is. (laughs) Yeah. I've gone the other way and bought into the Vallejo liquid gold. Yeah. Um, range. Now it should be said that I, well, I got a little bit carried away um, 
I went into Big and I was like, right, I need a replacement for Sycorax Bronze that works quicker. And so I bought a number of paints, £33 worth of gold bronzy shades later. I returned to my cave and began to experiment. And I actually found that Vallejo liquid gold, red gold is almost identical. And oh my goodness, is it a nice colour, mate? Yeah. It's a little bit more difficult to work with because it is alcohol-based. So I even, when I was working on the terrain piece, ended up wearing my mask because it was quite pungent. Well, what are you using as your um, as your medium? Uh, isopropanol? Isopropanol. Or? Isopropanol. Yeah. You might be better off... You might be worth looking for others because isopropanol is, a, is really... It aerosolizes quite easily. So just having it in your presence, you're breathing it in, and it's um, it's not great. No. So you're probably going to be best, good, well suited to wear your mask anyway. To be honest, mate. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll find a Dan-shaped puddle on the floor in your hobby room one day. <laughs> yeah. Gibbering on the floor like a chaos spawn. <laughs> yeah. Um. But that yeah, the, the color is wonderful. It goes on in one coat. It looks really amazing well. with one coat. Like I've. When you showed me the picture of it in one coat, you, you could almost leave it like that and and sort of line in with Agrax around the rivets or something and just have done with it. Yeah, well, what I found is by using this more watered-down version of Agrax, it it does a lot of that really nicely. Does it flow? I, I should imagine the wash flows over the surface quite well. Yes, it does. Yeah, I would have thought it would, yeah. Yeah, it flows over it quite well. Um do you need to have it at like leave it to dry at the right angle? Because if if you, I suppose, let's turn the question around. If you say put your shrine on and you washed it, would all of the wash like accumulate at the bottom, or would it would still some be retained around the top? It it some did stay around the top, but it did sort of. I had to sort of manage it, yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. I couldn't just wash it and wander off. I did have to 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 manage it a bit. Um. But that was okay. I didn't mind that. Um, used the airbrush loads. Like, I airbrushed the skulls. Yeah. And I also airbrushed all the blood coming out of them. Um, and really tried to improve my control to allow me to, to airbrush more. So that yeah. was good. Um, and I have started the Venom Crawler and the Exalted Possessed. Um, and with the red, I'm going up to Evil Sun so that, again, when I wash it, because I've started lighter, it knocks it back to look about the same as yeah. corn red washed and then painted corn red. Remind me again what your edge highlight was for... It's Evil Suns, Scarlet. But on, on your previous ones? Yeah, but okay, I haven't yeah. got an edge highlight at the moment on my new ones. I'm gonna, I haven't done it at all on the shrine. No, I don't think honest. you... You might not need to. No. I mean, it's a different style of painting because you're going for a more natural highlight rather than the, um, you know, round the edges. Because with all those, that edging on the panels, you you could end up doing all those lines around the edges rather than in the middle, if that makes any sense. Yeah. The heavy metal way of doing it, as it were. Mm. Um, And with with the metal, with the brass, I did... The sort of edges and stuff on the big one, and yeah. on the and on the symbol and stuff. With um, I I dry brushed it. Yeah. Um, 
because I know, like, I've been saying to you for ages that dry brushing's good and you should use it. Um, I know. It's so not thought, like, yeah. Um, and in no way is that actually completely the reverse of what I just said. <laughs> um, but, How did you get on with that? Yeah, it it was fine. It worked quite well. Um, it certainly doesn't look dry brushed, dude. It's a funny old technique, dry brushing, because it promises speed, but it's not you've you've got to less haste more speed i suppose you 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 have got to think about what you're doing yeah. and give it t- you can't just go mental no not not if you want something that doesn't look not very good <laughs> it's a technique like any other and as as much as you say as much as everyone says oh it's a fast way of doing it or some people i find it's not really fair to say it's the beginner's way of doing it. Well, well, maybe it is, but you could you could also say that washing isn't a beginner's way of doing stuff. You know, that's kind of like that was for a period of time the new way of beginners doing stuff. But actually, with everything, including dry brushing, it, it is a technique, and you can be bad at that technique, and you can be so good at that technique that it looks like you've airbrushed something. So, I think when it's used properly, it's it's a really good way of doing things. Um, and I'm by no means an expert at it. I mean, I've seen some things that people have dry brushed that I would not genuinely have never said in a month of Sundays they'd been dry brushed. Um, but they have. I think um, I, it's a technique like any other. And the more practice you get at it, the more you slow down and think about what it is you're actually doing and how to use it to achieve different things. You can end up doing anything from really nice looking object source lighting to like panels with really smooth gradients on. That's my two pence worth, but yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah. I'm still here. I was just thinking about what you were saying. Yeah. So, um, the other thing I was thinking as well with my corn is that so much on the table, so much of them is about the base anyway. Yeah, bases and faces. Bases and faces. So first thing I was taught when I worked for Games Workshop: <laughs> bases yeah. and faces, Ben. It's also given me a little bit of confidence that I might actually be able to tackle the corn scenery. Oh, yeah. Because a bit of me has been absolutely dreading doing it because it's a pain. It looks like a pain. But I think what I'll do now is I'll spray it because that that um, that liquid gold, if you think it looks good using a brush, mate, when you spray it, it's like, it's like heaven coming out of his airbrush. <laughs> I sp- I sprayed the um the symbol. Yeah, you just it's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So that's my hobby. I've started the Venom Crawler. I've um started the Exalted Dudes. I've built a another guy, a Master of Possession. Um, and you yeah, bought all the chaos. <laughs> I bought a lot of chaos, dude. <laughs> I, I got totally carried away. I bought Vigilus Blaze because you, yeah, you know, why would I not? New Chaos Codex, new cards, Abaddon, a couple of boxes of Chaos Space Marines. No, one box of Chaos Space Marines plus Shadow Spear. So yeah, um, that's the problem. When you get a release, that's that's your release. You tell yourself that you're not going to go all in, but really, just. You have to, because it'd be rude not to. Yeah, and I just need to decide now what I'm going to do with, because I still, part of me wants to do corn, just all corn. 
and part of me wants to do some Black Legion, and I just don't yeah. know. Especially because I've seen some wonderful conversions using the Forge World set yeah, and the new yeah. Chaos Space Marines, and yeah. it's made me think that actually, yeah, that that it would allow you to make corn berserkers that tie in more with the other ele- elements of the range yeah such as the raptors for example yeah absolutely so well, yeah. i'll leave you to ponder that predicament <laughs> yeah absolutely. you're probably, probably not gonna know until you know no and you... to be honest dude i need to i i'm definitely in a place again at the moment where i need to knock out a couple of the units that i have already um, yeah, and yeah, and give myself that feeling of moving forward um, before I start painting fire slayers, which I want to do as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, dude. Should we um, should we head ourselves over to the galaxy of war? Yes, absolutely, dude. We'll see you on the other side. Oh, the other side of the Cicatrix Maledictum. <laughs> I claimed this planet the moment I set eyes upon it. Vigilus is doomed, and the fools who toil in its defence are dead men. Never have truer words been spoken. Uh-huh. How did he, he just ran off to protect his pimp wagon, so... No, no. That's exactly what happened. Somebody came and went, oh, Abaddon, someone's keyed your car, and he flew off into orbit to sort it out. No, absolutely not. He just felt <laughs> that it was important to allow other elements of his forces the opportunity to do a bit more. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you've uh, got nothing else. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. Well, what it was is he'd heard that somebody who drives an Audi had got on his ship and was trying to, like, move it around that's pretty much what happened actually (laughs) yeah i know it's quite funny isn't it i was reading the background and i was like oh my goodness um i don't don't quite understand kalgar gets like it even says that drachian cleaves through his arts yeah and yet like one of them's like totally cleave through and one's slightly damaged by a demon sword that sucks the life out of people (laughs) and he still survived I think maybe they should have gone with, like, a building fell on him. <laughs> He's just so mighty that the demon sword was like, nah, I can't touch this. He is mighty. It was a bit of a... We're getting quite ahead of... We're talking about Vigilus Ablaze now, guys. <laughs> Before, without any... Inter- yeah, we've just launched into it, haven't <laughs> yeah, we? It yeah, was a bit so- of a... a I, did, I, I loved that battle. Um, it was written very much in the Tolkien style, so it was... Less of a this, when they did the um the fall of Cadia and the you know the gathering storm stuff they they did those key scenes with like um fiction writing they had like little pages where it was done like a story I did expect them to do that with Vigilus of Blaze but they didn't so it was done in a in a kind of like I say the Tolkien way of doing things which is to describe what happened or from someone else's perspective or you know, not necessarily fleshing out on all of the details. 
so much. Um, and I did when I read that thing about how they built, basically built up Calgar. And then now they've, as far as we're concerned at the end of Vigilus, he's like a, just sat behind enemy, uh, behind, um, their lines directing the battle because he's got nothing left. <laughs> it's basically just spent. <laughs> Abaddon has ruined him. <laughs> yeah. I did feel a bit sorry for him. I hope he sort of gathers himself together again. Um, a bit that I was a bit like surprised at, I suppose. I do understand what they were getting at, but like they, it's described at one point, it says that anybody looking on from the Imperial side could tell that the chapter master was holding yeah, back. He was, yeah. And he's holding back to sort of draw Abaddon on, so, you know, to give time for the attack on the vengeful yeah. spirit. But I, d- I don't really like the thought. And I know he's Marnius Calgar, and he's he's amazing. But I don't like the thought that he could even survive if he held back. Well, it's holding back off the attack, and there's and there's giving everything in defence. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, if you're constantly defending, you're on the back foot essentially, and that's that's why he lost because as he was stepping back, didn't he? he, he the concrete gave way, and that all Abaddon needed was that split second, and that was the end of it. Um, mm. he was he was playing a huge risk, frankly, and um, it's not like Abaddon turned up and went hell for leather at him, either. It's the problem is with Abaddon is he's an arrogant so and so. He's he automatically assumed he was just going to ruin Calgar in five seconds flat, um, and they get he's probably gone in there with that attitude. And in a way, is holding back himself, if you know what I mean. Mm. If if Calgar had keyed his vengeful spirit, he'd have gone in there and splattered him in a heartbeat. Because clearly that's the only thing that he cares about. <laughs> that's my dad's car! <laughs> yeah. It was quite cool reading about the vengeful spirit and how they practically pulled every available resource from the whole sector practically the whole quadrant of the galaxy to attack the vengeful spirit and and then it, they just weren't even getting close that's one powerful ship yeah. isn't it really i mean it is very yeah um interestingly just because you mentioned taurus and it reminded me of something i read today that sanguinius the model was twice as popular on release as any of the other primarchs have been wow that's cool. So, so all know, those, all those memes, you know, the money talks at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Vigilus, really good. I've enjoyed both the Vigilus books. I think they've got an excellent mix of, of background and moving the story along and then campaign rules um, for sort of narrative and then um, new units or, or new additions for, for match play. I love them. I absolutely love them. They, there's, there's so much time dedicated to fleshing out Vigilus, what it is, what's going on, how, what it's like, the maps in there, the, the little bits of background. I love it. It feels like a real setting. Yes. You know, it, it Vigilus is now Armageddon. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a really good comparison. It, it's on the same kind of 
it's the same kind of level. Armageddon's got like a history. It's got like a, you know, you can almost picture it when you close your mind if you're a 40k fan. It's the same for me now with mm. Vigilus. It, it, they've done such a good job over two books of making that place come alive. Um, and now it, it, we know it's a strategic, like, bastion in the imperial, you know, in, in the, in the whole war effort. So it's going to be there forever. Um, I really, I, I think they're fantastic. I really hope there's a third one just to sort of polish it off but you don't think there no, will well, be well i was but... convinced i'd read somewhere that there was only going to be two but then i have since seen things that have suggested that that's not correct so we'll have to see yeah only the only reason i really want to th- see a third is that so i can find out that poor old cowgirl isn't just it's not going to be like christopher pike <laughs> 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 that's a star trek reference <laughs> but yeah i uh, um that's why i want a third one i i do you know what excites me the most is that um when the last time i remember something like this happening with a planet was the medusa um campaign do you remember that yeah yeah and i didn't think that that was very good um i didn't think it was very good because followed in the footsteps of um, Storm of Chaos. And it didn't feel like it had the same importance. You know, the, the, with Storm of Chaos, there was a genuine feeling that you were deciding the fate of the old world, in a yeah. way. Um, but m- with the fall of Medusa, it was... A lot of people probably don't even know the name Medusa, which kind of says it all. Um but Vigilus is just so rounded and so good and can be so many things to so many different people, however you want to play it, and um, has a has a, a kind of importance in the 40k background now. I cannot wait for the next one because they're only going to get better. They're, the practice that they've got from this one and we, the feedback that they people must have been giving them and it's only going to get better and the model releases that have gone along to support it. I mean, we had Abaddon for this one. What? It's going to be amazing. I'm really genuinely like so excited for the future of, you know, these kind yeah, of books. I think what's really exciting as well is it, it's now it's genuine stuff is genuinely happening and changing and, and writing was history. Um, yeah. which I suppose was always a little bit more possible in, in 40k because it's so broad um but certainly it it, and we you know we'll probably talk about it more when we get to the mortal realms but it's wonderful to see both game systems moving on in that position now yeah yeah absolutely and it does it inspires you with your own thoughts on background and wanting to do your own bits on vigilus or round vigilus or you know even if it's not vigilus at all but it's got some cool concepts in there about the gene stealer cults and you really feel like you can take an area you know there's a whole whole half of the imperium which is like cut off isn't there and you can go and explore so yeah it's it's great really love it really love it um so since we've last spoken um and after our raging endorsement of the vigilist yes um you have had a, a real bucket load of chaos models dude and i don't think we've covered all of them it's difficult to remember which ones we did and didn't last time but um 
the the new squad we'd only just seen, hadn't we? We'd only just seen a lot of them on the on the day we recorded. Yeah, the last so Shadow one, Spear but... came out on the day we were up there, didn't it? Yeah, it was released, and then they they showed us photographs of the Chaos Space Marine squad. Yeah, that's right. Um, have they shown us the Terminators? No, no. Yeah, so <laughs> should we do the Terminators first? I I like them up until the point where I looked at the alignment of their shoulders with their heads. And then that that slightly ruined them for me. But the the more I look at them, the more that that, that aesthetic is settling down on me. I could, you could just put a helmet on to sort most of those things out. But um, they're a really nice reimagining of that chaos kit, that chaos terminator kit that I didn't think needed redoing. Oh, it did. It did. Well, I didn't. I didn't think it did, and now I know it did. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the thing. It's almost like the thing you didn't need, no needed changing, gets changed. And you're like, oh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. No, I think they're lovely, mate. One thing that is slightly odd is I was looking at the sprues, and so it it said it says in the well, I'm pretty sure I'm right that Terminators come with a chain axe, like in the squad. As their basic, as their basic armament, yeah. but there's only one on the sprue, which is odd. But um, yeah, they, they... for a corn player, that must yeah, be devastating. Yeah, absolutely. What's more devastating <laughs> is that I really want to give them all lightning claws. But... Oh, I love the lightning claw one they I showed know. with him marching forward. He looks savage. Yeah, he's lovely. Yeah, I do want to get some because I've got my Chaos Lord is in Terminator armor. Yeah, and he never does anything. He just rocks up and gets shot because he's on his own. Whereas, well, that's not what happened in our game. He like, well, held off. Well, yeah, apart from in our game, that was amazing. But I'd love him to. I I should have attacked first with the Thunderbolts and just yeah. splattered him. But you didn't. So no, but, but you I did didn't. win. So it's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I'd love him to have eight Terminator bodyguard. Just come down. He needs yeah. one, really. Well, and also they can have an icon of we're really angry, and um, so they get a re-roll <laughs> to their charge, which yeah. is quite cool. I My favourite release out of the whole lot is that Executioner dude with the Gigarax. Oh, is it? That's, That's oh, cool. I love him. But yeah, I, I do I do want to get him. He The only thing... I would like him to be more dynamic, but that is because I'm a corn player. It's a lovely model, don't get me wrong. I just, I feel he needs to be leaping <laughs> a little bit. What would I be nice know. is I... a pose just like that dude out of Reign of Fire. <laughs> I quite like him like that, actually. I think there's a sinisterness to him. He's, he almost doesn't care about what's going on around him. He's just sort of there. No, he's just focused on. What his goal is? I I like the hood, and it hood is the hood is close enough to the um, space wolf hood, like face masks from thirty k, that I reckon with an awful lot of trimming and filing, I could get him to look like a like a wolf lord from thirty k. Um, he probably is just one that's. T- yeah, I know. He, to I knew you were going to say that, but but no. Yeah. Um, talking of... Well, no, you're right, because any, any single Space Wolf that joined, you know, converted to Chaos during the Heresy would end up being, like, a, a named character. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. 
Talking of turning to the right side and people that can make you do it, the Apostle, Dark Apostle, yeah. I love his little dudes. They, yes. Um, he himself, I'm not sure, need to see it, but in the in the flesh. But the little dudes, definitely. So I'm going to get him because I want the little dudes and I've got a model for your, to be a Dark Apostle. So that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. What's going to be? Abaddon's probably my favourite. In truth, because I just think it's incredible. I just, it's so, so good. Um, everything about it is what I'd want from an Abaddon re-sculpt. Um, but I do like the Havocs. I think they're really cool. I like the yeah, older I, style yeah. of weapons. Um, yeah. Really ace. The older style reimagined as well. Y- yes. Yeah. 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 Really like them. Um, I like as well that they have in their rules now. It is nice because they can move and fire without penalty, but that is because they've like warped talons to like anchor them down. Yeah. Um, I quite like that idea. Um, you were thinking of getting like a, a squad to get up close and personal for your corner. You? Yeah, I was kind of running it through in my head and I remember reading an article a long time ago about flesh terrors. Somebody had done a flesh terrors army and they would, they, they had like deliberately given their like heavy weapons troopers, like heavy bolters and had them sort of running forward. Yeah. And, and I did like that idea. And I, I kind of, I like the idea of like a mental corn nut job that just loves. Well, there's one in the book, isn't there? There's one in the black Legion book. Or Talon or Horus. He's a corn guy, but he's got a heavy bolter. Yeah, yeah. And I just think, I just think that they'd love it. <laughs> I just think that they'd love it. Like yeah. loads of noise, blood, gore everywhere. Be... Yeah, heavy bolter at close range can't be all that pretty, can it? No, I wouldn't have thought so. And also, I like. People. <laughs> I've been thinking about the idea of corn. And how, like, we were talking about it, weren't we? They they must have. They've got to be doing other things when they're not kicking the spot. Yeah, yeah. And so I like the idea that actually, you know, what once they get into combat, they do, like, lose themselves completely. Um, Have you ever read the book, The Space Marine Heroes? Possibly. And there's a, there's a story right, I think it might be the first or second one, and it's, I, I think it's an Iron Warriors dude and his little kind of unit of um, um, like tr- most trusted allies, almost trusted troopers. And they've gone to this planet where um, there's like a tournament every year, I guess, or every rotation. And uh, right at the start, they're all sat in a pub, like tavern, the whole planet is chaos. Like they're all chaos marines and chaos warriors, and um, the the guy who's kind of running the planet, or one of his would be uh, opposition, sends like a a corn warrior to sort of deal with him, to sort of make a point. And the way he's described, it's like a sort of bottled up rage just walks in the room, and then he gets trashed by the way because he's just about to flip out and the the captain who's obviously the you know the main character 
kills him before he can even move. Um, it's quite a cool scene, but I'd be worth you reading to have like an idea of what they're like when they're walking around because it's one of the best descriptions I've ever read. Mm. I don't know if the book's still available, but I think it was called Heroes of the Space Moons or Space Moon Heroes. In the in the show notes, I'll post it up and the name of the book because it will be available somewhere, and I'll I'll obviously lend it to you to have a read. But it's really good because they're like they're like contained energy. They're like a few. It almost felt like a fusion reactor with that at any point they could let the you know restraining field go and he would just explode and everything would go wrong. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt reading about him. So, yeah, I find that's probably the best description. But someone's got to look after their stuff. They've got to eat. They've got to take a crap. Well, that's it. And they've got, <laughs> they've got to there's loads of things. Otherwise, I think what I said was that otherwise you're basically saying they're like Eversor assassins where they go into stasis in between battles. Yeah. But yeah, all uh, flesh terror who've succumbed to the Black Rage, they've pretty much the same yeah <laughs> Captain stasis and it would unleashed. kind of be cool in a way i mean maybe not because it's always a bit of an ad hoc rule but they used to be it was orcs wasn't it and you rolled a dice and on a one they just went and charge towards the enemy yeah stuff like that yeah um but that's one of the things i love about the orcs now is that there's there's they've brought back the cunning yes there was a period where orcs were just brutal I know the old one of the cunning, but orcs have always should be and always should be forever cunning but brutal or brutal but cunning. You know, that moment when they completely flip out and run is just one aspect of what they are. Yeah. I think they've done a good job of bringing that back personally. But yeah. Yeah, we're off topic. You were going on about chaos for a... Yeah, yeah I know. But I, I, yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about it like, from again, collector point of view, just expanding but still keeping the theme. So I'd still look at, like, I'd get Havocs, but try and give bit, make them look a bit more mobile and get, you know, maybe, maybe even, like, do things like get, get the Corn Berserker upgrade kit, use that, give a couple of them chain axes, but, like, uh, like slung on their back or whatever. Yeah. They just happen to be the ones that love a bit of uh, heavy bolter action. You can get chain axes as a separate sprue, or they, you you could do before Forge World Salamander pur- got a pack uh, here somewhere. Did they purge them? I don't know. I lost track of what they were getting rid of for a while. Mm. It's a crying shame. But mind you, if they they were always they, when they were getting rid of something, there was always an alternative. Yeah, I'd I'd like some warp talons as well because they're really good. I love warp talons. I really do. I just want the chance I, I think, to use lots of different things. I think, but I can warp talons are, are so different from a space moon assault assault marine. You know, they they are they're like a separate entity completely. Yeah, well, they're good. I really like them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I'm not no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what else? Because I'm sure that we've been a month and I can't... Well, there's the Ark Machinator, the, the Lord Discordant. Oh, yeah. That's pretty sweet. Going to be wanting one of them. Um, He's crazy. How do you go about designing... That's like straight out of John Blanche's nightmares, that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, isn't it? I mean, it's it's... As soon as you saw it, it was so 40k, so all over the place, and you're like, wow. 
And yet somehow you can believe it works. <laughs> it is mental. Um, yeah. But that's a really good, I like that from your army's perspective, that it, it looks like a corn dark mechanicum person would, would be like, I've always find that the tech priests and the tech Marines and the mechanicum side of things always feel a little bit like, uh, the people you would have at the back doing stuff, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like firing the heavy bolt of servitors or the, that big massive gun that one of them carries. I can never remember the name of it. Um, the only t- the only one out of the, all of them I've ever seen where I felt like they would be at the front with their hammer smashing the snot out of things is the Iron Priest. Yeah. Um, but that's it. And then that came out, and I can see that thing like right in the front line, going, "I'll have a bit of you," and just sort of taking machines apart in front of their, you know, owners, going, "Oh, you fancy walking to battle in a dreadnought? Well, that's a shame. I quite fancy the dreadnought." <laughs> <laughs> It just, it seems like more of an offensive, you know, more of an offensive unit. I, I like it as a corn model. I think it would really suit your army. Oh, yeah. Well, it's definitely needed. Um, definitely. At some point. <laughs> well, it'll go yeah. well. I, I My intention is to get it and use it to lead. Um, oh, I cannot remember what they call them. The you know like the detachment that's just three heavy support and a HQ. Yeah, that would be that would be wicked with um your forge fiend things. Yeah, two forge fiends and my venom crawler and him. That's my that was my thought. Mm, yeah, as like my little that's, like demon engine contingent. That's really cool. Mm. That's really really cool. Mm. Like that a lot. I see. I don't think when I'm collecting, I don't think about those kind of things. Yeah, see, I'm... for me, that is the all that I really like the structure that comes from the Force organization. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Um, so I just paint the models that I like rather than thinking, well, I'm going to paint a fast attack one. Whereas actually, you just saying that, I really like. A part of part of the it's part of the challenge for me as well is to is to get stuff that fits. Um, yeah. And and I really like that, and it also yeah, allows yeah. you to play around with your theme. And it's it, it is the single biggest thing that I missed where in it, when initially when Warhammer went and was replaced by Age of Sigma was less about the points, but more about just some form of organization. Yeah, to work towards because I find that exciting. Yeah, I enjoy that. Um, and, and painting a whole storm host chamber is a little bit much. <laughs> well, yeah, you needed almost like a sub chambers, didn't you, to get to crypto? Anyway, that's the next section. Yeah. Oh, did you see the uh, Sisters of Battle stuff that came out? Yeah, well, not came out, but like the the vehicle upgrades. Oh my days! <laughs> I know. I keep every time, every fortnight when those come out, I like. You do not need Sisters of Battle Army. I really hope, though, that you buy one. <sighs> I love them, dude. And I hope that not just you buy one, but lots of people Everyone. buy them. Because lots of people have obviously said they'd like them. You know, it must be a them. significant amount for Games Workshop to think, you know what, actually we will invest in this. Yeah, yeah. But it's got to work, because if it doesn't, it won't happen again. 
No, that's very true. I, I mean, I've I've been interested in the Sisters of Battle since I started collecting my Black Templars because my Black Templar army was based around is the Age of Apostasy. Mm-hmm. Is it where the yeah where where the basically the ecclesiarchy effectively take over the Imperium, and the Black Templars are all out on some massive sort of edge of the galaxy crusade, and they come back. And um, they're like, what on? What is going on? <laughs> Basically, they're like, this is not how it's supposed to be, and we are like the closest chapter to the ecclesiarchy, and this guy is a is a bad person. Um, that was the PG version of what I normally do for that bit, but <laughs> <laughs> and then they sort of charge their way straight to terror, and then it takes them doing that. But all the other space marines are like, oh yeah. They got a point, but they they kind of join forces with. I think it's I can't remember specifically which one, but it's one of the um, Sisters of Battle sort of chambers. I can't remember what they're called, but join with them, and uh, they. I was going to have an army based on the two of them together. Um, I even sort of wrote wrote um, sort of a background book about it at one point, but then Iron Snakes caught my eye and everything changed. And uh, I, I have I got all these sisters of battle to paint like squads of them because I didn't want a full army. I just wanted a few squads within the Black Templar army, and um, I never got around to doing them. Um, so they've always been there in the back of my mind as something I wanted to do. But I kind of feel now at this point it's a bit of a shame, really, isn't it? That there's I do, I wouldn't want to go all in because it feels like everyone's going to do them. Mm. And I felt a little bit like that with my goblins. I mean. Anyone who'd listened to us talk would know that I was all over the goblins from you know theory onwards, frankly. Um, but then when they got released, so many people have done them that I don't. It's funny, isn't it? You, you feel like you're lost in a sea of everyone doing the same thing. <laughs> um, and when hobby is so personal, that can often be a little bit of a shame. Yeah. But I think I'd have to stick with my guns with what I said at the start of the year because the goblins have taken up so much of my time and it's we you know two months down the line from when I said I would have had my goblins finished and I've painted nowhere near even half of them so I, I think I'm going to have to stick with my first comment right at the start of the year I, I'm not going to invest in more than one army a year yeah otherwise I'll never get my backlog of stuff done no nope. ever very true very true, and it just keeps on growing, doesn't it? Having said that, the Sisters of Battle will be released, and I'll be like, oh my god! <laughs> well, that's why I'm not saying anything now, dude. Yeah. I'll just wait and see. Right, Um. on that note, Let shall us I lead us on into the into Mortal the Realms? realms yeah. Woo! Mortal Realms! Born to live forevermore! Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Mortal Realm. Enjoy them while you can, before they drown in blood! Yet another chaos segment. (laughs) So just to give me a break, and I think some (laughs) other people a break, can we talk about the other stuff before we get onto your porn book? 
Oh, okay. Or do you think we'd rather get the corn book out of the way? Let's get the corn book out of the way. I, I actually, do I don't mind because it will all be overshadowed by the awesome red stain. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of corn, this. <laughs> okay. Go on then. What else has come so out then? We have yeah, had that's enough uh, of that. new. So, oh. more importantly, my new corn book <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> amazing, dude. And I was nervous. And I've been through the stages, as I always do. But I absolutely love it. And I love it because it's changed things. And, you know, you can't just rock up with the same stuff you always did now. Um, Which is great. And although I haven't managed to actually use one of my judgments because my priests were basically... (laughs) They were rubbish. It was so funny. I played Ben and... um. I had two priests next to the altar of skulls, which means that they could re-roll their prayer rolls. Yeah. And no word of a lie, one of them, two turns in a row, took D3 mortal wounds. So to understand what I'd done there, I'd rolled a one and re-rolled it and rolled another one. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> it was so Amazing. funny. Um, yeah, really different. Um, different abilities to check out. Obviously, you've got the judgments, you've got the skull altar, altar of skulls, sorry. Um, Wizard Wizard Tower. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing more games with them. I'm looking forward to adding different units. Um, certainly some more mortals, um, into the army. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things I love about Age of Sigma. And it happens with the General's Handbook every year. And it often happens when, or seems to have happened when they rewrite the books, is that they're not afraid to change the balance of an army at, in, almost completely, or even the whole game. Take it from hordes to smaller units, from smaller units to hordes, or, you know, so that the game is constantly changing. So you're not going to just. Essentially, in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, my High Elf Army, when I first started collecting in 1994, operated in virtually exactly the same way as the High Elf Army that I was using right up until the end. It would be 7th edition because I never played 8. But it would never changed. It was the same concept. Um, perhaps the only big change was that I, that, that point where I always struck first. That was it. The dynamic of the army wasn't really changed and all that much. Now they're quite happy to just turn it on its head. I love it. I think it's brilliant because it it means when a new book comes out, you you know, you're in for a surprise, however you look at it. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. You don't really know what's going to happen, even if it's just a sort of redo of a book with no models, like it's essentially what happened to you. Yeah. But then if they'd they'd released any more corn models, because I think there is a deficit of corn models in Age of Sigma. Oh my goodness, there are so many. There are so many things. I know I say this all the time. There are so many things I want to add that I haven't painted yet. Um, yeah. And I want to add more of what I've already painted. I was looking yeah. at, I've got like a behind me on the table, there's 1500 points just laid out from the game I played against Ben. And rather yeah. than put them away, I thought I'm just going to set them up to look nice, just to look at. And I was looking and I was like, I need another Bloodthirster. 
And actually, <laughs> I need three more because I need Scar- a Scarbrand. This is the thing, right? The book has so many interesting choices that you want to be able to pick and choose from everything. Yeah. You know, I really want those guys riding juggernauts now. Um, yeah. The Skull Crushers. I'd have had them anyway because they look absolutely awesome. Yeah, they, they do look awesome. They do look awesome. To be honest, I would have any of it anyway because it all looks awesome, but even more so now. Um, yeah. Oh, and Corgus Cole is getting a book series. You seen that? Is he really? Yeah, I cannot wait. It's on pre-order at the moment. Um, I shall probably invest in that, which has been a while. Do you know, the last time I picked, like, genuinely really was excited to see a book was on its way and then picked it up and read it was Khan the Betrayer novel. Really? And that was a long time ago. So I just don't read like I used to. As you know, because you like to to mock me for it. Well, I'm not sure you can read, if I'm being honest. No, neither am I. So I don't take the risk. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm still buzzing from um, from uh, a Realm Slayer. I just <laughs> oh yeah, well absolutely. that is amazing. I've listened to it again. I was just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've listened yeah. to it twice. Yeah, now. absolutely. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, that's good. Absolutely I'm glad brilliant. you loved it. It is ace. It is ace, and I'm really pleased because, you know, it just had to be. Brian, blessed. You know, we used to talk about that in the shop, like how cool it would be to have Brian, blessed, do the voice, do voices and stuff. And yeah. then it happened. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I really like that. the Red Feast. It's called Book One of the Cull. It's called. So I'm gonna to have to get that. Um, It'd be nice to actually give him a bit more of a personality because at the moment he's just like a f- almost faceless bad guy that got in the way of Vander's Hammerhand as he got. He's a bit more. I think Christ. if you read a lot, a bit more of the background, um, like that's in because the thing with Age of Sigma because it is new and and there's lots of forging the narrative going on. It, it is all over the place, um, and it's easy to have missed bits. But, yeah. So there has been some cool stuff with him, but yeah, I agree. It will be really nice to see that. Um, and I, I'm interested for much the same reason as I was saying to you about corn berserkers and corn. I am interested to see, you know, what it is to be a corn follower when you're not in battle. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of that in, um, in, uh, in the in the podcast in Stormcast, actually, they talk about it a few times. The the writers talk about how actually in the age of chaos, it's not all humans still need to live. Chaos don't want the humans to disappear; they kind of need them to exist. So, in some ways, for some of them, actually, the coming of of, of Age of Sigma was a bit unwelcome because it's like, well, hang on, this is the status quo. I'm getting fed and and water and some form of shelter and my life is pretty poo but you coming and creating a war has just made it a whole load worse yeah 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 um and and so they're kind of a little bit like so what what is this dude up to can you just leave us alone because <laughs> it's bad enough as it is uh and then obviously the the story needs to play out and signal needs to be victorious and set up those cities for them to be like ah i get it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah the, this isn't what life was all all meant to be yeah well because so some of they, them will that a lot of them 
Well, loads of them, actually. For them, that will be life. That is the norm. Yeah, they won't they've never know. known anything they've different. Never known, not only have they never known anything different, they've never known of anything different. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, so... I um I've really enjoyed listening to those stormcasts, and I wouldn't mind having a little bit of a natter about them. But um, I'll let you finish your chaos stuff first. Well, that's all right. I'm nearly done. Um, I was actually going to move on a little bit and say, um, alongside Realm Slayer being awesome as a, a, a an abridged, full abridged audio book, the um, Soul Wars is turning out to be fantastic. Yeah. Really good. Goes in there's lots of stuff about the anvil of apotheosis and the the soul mills and what's going on in the sacrosanct chambers. It's yeah. it's, oh, it's so good. And I was oh mate, I was driving home and I was listening to to a bit and I was just like oh, I flipping love the mortal realms. I just got really excited and wanted to do like hammer hell or and get out um oh when it comes out the rpg for for mortal Round. i just love the idea of exploring them yeah because yeah. i tell you what's so cool is they're in glim's forge right in the book and it just reads like they're in the flipping empire but they're a stormcast yeah. so it's like everything that was awesome about warhammer world the warhammer world but with added added vavavoom <laughs> basically <laughs> it's so good you know because you can be like walking through the streets of this like rundown place like tudor-esque buildings and crap like that and then like part of the city could get up because actually that part's been built on some kind of crazy ass monster mountain beast that exists in the mortal realms. It, it can all be in there. Oh, yeah. I was looking at those buildings by that terrain company's name. I've gone briefly. Remember we had that conversation about, and you said they're all well, they're a bit, bit Warhammer rather than age Sigma. Um, what? Um, foreground. No, um, that really nice company. I think it's just called War Games. Oh, 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 yeah, I know who you mean. The resin more. The resin links will be posted in the <laughs> in the show notes. But they make lovely resin terrain with like medievally kind of buildings. Yeah, yeah, but I it's see. Like, I yeah, the, listening to to Soul Wars is that. Well, I don't know. I think I'm just going to repeat myself. It's just. You can have all of that, but still yeah. be in the mortal realms and still have those other supremely fantastical things going on. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, I absolutely love it. So definitely worth a listen. Uh, John, if you're listening, that's why I shouted out Soul Wars to you when you asked what book to read, listen to. Right. Cool. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably it on the corn. I, I have looked through the book a fair bit and started reading it, but we don't go in for the in-depth stuff, do we, really? Um, it's mostly me just shouting skulls and getting excited. Um, I want to paint up 
a unit of 40 Blood Reavers with Mamre Ripper Axis. Yeah. Because I think they'll be ace. You wanted to talk a bit about Stormcast. Oh, well, I've I've just been reading so much about Age of Sigmar and listening to the podcast. The other day, painting my squigs, um, I had a week off uh, and the, the kids were still at school. So I spent the days painting and listening to Stormcast. And I got really excited about just the the way they're thinking about things and how how much things are getting fleshed out and details will come back to me as I'm talking but there's their kind of approach to Age of Sigma feels where they're planning for the future I mean things that it's almost happening naturally now was one of the things I took away from it so things like um um um, oh my goodness me the first Underworlds (laughs) Shadespire Shadespire um started as just a setting for the game and has now become like a like a genuine place it is yeah. now a, a landmarked thing like in any of the world cities of the old world would have been um as a setting and that happened almost by accident and you know that will continue and ha- to happen and flesh it out but yeah there's, there's some great episodes in there if people haven't listened to it um talking about the way they're approaching not just thinking about writing the books one of the things i quite liked about one of their design ethos is as always these things come back from the um from the models so the models i don't know if anyone knows this but they do talk about it a lot on the games workshop podcast so everything starts with the miniature um so the miniatures literally come to the the rules writing and background team and then they have to you know write about them in some ways, they, they, of course, they get to go back to the designer and go, "What were you thinking when you put that in? What were, you know, what was your inspiration for that?" And often, uh, by the sounds of it, they're they even sat in those design meetings or nearby, listening to the process to try and pick up a little bit of that from right from the sort of the genesis of the model. Mm-hmm. But there's some really cool things that, like, uh, that they they do now. So they. they I think he said between four and six builds for each army is what they aim for. So you can have yeah, at so, least yeah. at least four, but hopefully six different ways of properly playing your army is built into the into the rules now. So um it's like I was talking about going back earlier. There was really only one or two ways to play high elves, in my experience. Um now, if you play an elf army, there there would be at least four, if not six, different unique ways of playing with them. Yeah. Um, and and that's using virtually the same models, almost. You know, I'm not talking about using the range. I mean, because for example, with the high elves, you could have gone for a very fast attacky with chariots and sky cutters and all that kind of stuff. But that was only really towards the end, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there wasn't really that much. Old options to change the way you played them as such. If an army came against you, you'd be like, oh, I know roughly how these are going to operate. Um, so that really excited me, the way they were trying to think about giving you that range of stuff. But I'm going to go, because obviously the Grots have been released and there's some excellent stuff in there. So the Palooza, they had a... You almost imagine the rules writers and the background writers getting that pox of models, can't you? And being like, what what is that? <laughs> you know, yeah. what is that dude doing? So the one that stuck in my mind is they're talking about the, the dude with a funny mask um, and riding on a skull. Yeah. So what they decided was, I love this so much. Um, 
that if they worship the moon, then they're probably afraid of the sun or the light of Hish. Um, so that would be like a demon entity to them. And um, so that's what the mask is. The guy on the top is like the, you know, the representation of the light of Hish. And uh, so they were like, so what about the squig skulls? So they decided that um, back in the sort of dawn of grot history, there there was this massive sort of god beast squig who got so cross with the sun, he tried to jump up and bite it out of the sky um, <laughs> and ended up getting burnt to death by the sun because it was too too strong and um, and then died. And actually there is now like a, a whole kind of goblin settlement built around this massive skeleton of a, of a squig. So it must exist, or but they they have no idea why it's dead. But they've come up with the only reason why they could possibly conceive that a squig that massive could be dead, <laughs> which is <laughs> so. Um, that's what that model is. That you know, that must be the most scary thing to them imaginable: the sun um, riding on the back of the most ginormous squig ever. Um, so it must be scary to everyone else, right? Surely. <laughs> so, I just think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, what was the other one that, that this this three I've got? So the second one was bottles. They they were looking at all the bottles all over the models and being like, so how does a goblin make a bottle? So they decided that actually bottles to them they can't make them, so they have to nick them. So they're almost like a currency. So they'll go into like like a town just to raid the bottles and nick them and bring them home. Um, so when they're rampaging through these towns, rather than like actively ransacking everything if they went into an alchemy shop they'd be carefully collecting all these bottles and putting them in a cart to take <laughs> home which is just think is an absolutely brilliant mental image of like wanton destruction apart from where the bottles are because they're just desperately trying to keep them intact <laughs> um <laughs> it's great isn't it yes um and the, the third one was um the trog trogos there's um i can't remember what it's called but essentially when the trogos go to war um they're not really going to war it's just that the biggest of them has decided to wander off. <laughs> and then they all follow him. <laughs> so, a trog herd, isn't it? Trog herd. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit like an avalanche. But no one around them, none of the people living in the towns, realise this. They think that the trolls are on the attack. Uh, I can't remember which one of the writers was talking about it, but he was like, well, they don't realise if they walked like 10 miles west and waited for them to pass by, they could go back to their houses because they would just wander through the town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think it's so good. It, it's so much depth. I think that's great. Really do. Absolutely love it. Um, so that that's that's like from... The, the best bit for me from the, like, the most recent Stormcast episodes and I would encourage people to go and listen to them because there's a lot of insight in there that um, has really helped me to, to see where the game is going and understand why it is where it is too um, Stormcast do you mind if I have a little ramble about them? No, that's fine go for it I, you're going to have to help me with the name because I've forgotten them yeah, that's alright What's the name of your uh, storm chamber? Oh, the Hallowed Knights. Hallowed Knights. So there's an article on the Hallowed Knights in the latest White Dwarf, and it was a bit of a revelation for me. I I always thought that every Stormcast that got reforged had the same negative effects happen to them. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realise is that because they're all uniquely chosen because they're similar in some way, um, they're all sort of 
the same and different from other Stormcast chambers. So every Stormcast chamber has, or Stormhost, has a really distinct character because they're all chosen, maybe from all over the mortal realms. They might come from fire, or they can come from land of beasts, or they might all come from the land of beasts, but they've all got a unique thing that binds them together. And because of that, when they get reforged, they all come out differently. So we're talking about the Hallowed Knights. Actually, when they get reforged, they become more and more angelic to the point where, like, if they've had multiple reforgings, they literally glow with divine energy. And I I, I jumped out of my chair and I was like, oh, that is so awesome. I want to collect them now. <laughs> and then I realized I'd already painted a load of mine. <laughs> so, but the thought that your, your storm host is becoming more of what their archetype is with every reforging yeah they're losing stuff but they're gaining stuff at the same time so that hallowed knight that's had four or five reforgings might not remember where he's come from but is like a almost like a angelic automatum of purity striding into battle yeah fantastic absolutely loved that like genuinely loved that, um, but you're right that I don't know where I would have read that before. I mean, I haven't covered covered the Stormcast book, um, which is a bit of a shame because I, I only just because I haven't had time. But I have picked it up back off the shelf since I've read that because I'm desperate to read all those other bits that I've missed because I think that that's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it is cool, very cool. In fact, that article's a good one. White Dwarf Seas at the moment. Really like it. I, I'm hoping that they... Be, uh, yeah, I completely agree. I'm hoping what they do is what they used to do because some of the uh, the White Dwarf articles are so good, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that before they've defined some of the background for, for things. Um really good example is the... Index Astartes. Oh yeah. So there was four books of Index Astartes that are that are just collections of white dwarf articles brought together. Um and they were the definitive background for the for the Space Moon Legions for or well, for years almost. Mm. Up until they started writing the Horror Terrace series. And I really want them to collect together because they've said they're gonna do uh, Index Astartes and then the Stormhost ones, aren't they? Alternate, alternating over the, you know, I really hope that they come, they go back and do the same thing again. Yeah. And create like an Index Astartes compendium and the, that and would the, be really good actually, the, wouldn't it? It would be, br- I, I think it'd be brilliant. I really do because having that kind of depth, I mean, that article is far more in depth than anything in any of the army books. Could really sense what the Hallowed Knights were about. Hmm. Like little details, like that they must have taken from books that aren't in the in the army book. Like they carry around bits of chaos artifact because, you know, in their rec- um, reliquies. Yeah. Did you know this? Yeah, to to test their purity. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because <laughs> they're like, well, if I'm wearing a bit of a chaos demon, then cha- no chaos demon is going to tempt me because it's been hanging around my waist for the last six months. <laughs> yeah, I love them. I I really like the hallowed points. I really like But it makes me excited ones. to read about what the others are going to be like. To get a better understanding of them. Yeah. So yeah, that's my little I've had a bit of a background month 
for um, Age of Sigma, really. I've been really loving it. And I've now just pulled out the Deepkin book because Jay's been painting her um, ledger, yeah. Soul Ledger dude. Um, and I've been reading about them a little bit. Um, just the opening pages. There's nothing I haven't read yet. But this is the problem that there's so much going on. I want to read the Stormcast book and the Gloom Spike bits book and the. Oh, not enough time in the day. There absolutely is not. I need the Codex as audio books, Dan, so I can listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So um I played a game last week, week before. Um Age of Sigma. I played my Iron Jaws versus Marcus. Marcus has just started playing Age of Sigma, which is really cool because we sat down and we've laid the foundations for the Firestorm Plateau campaign with me, him and Ross. Oh, that's cool. That is and, very cool. Um, he's playing Daughters of Cain, but he's got an army of ogres. And um, they are quite interesting to play against, Dan. Have you played against Ogres? Um, no. no. So they're tough as hell. They're really tough. They've got five wounds each, I think. Four or five. Oh, blimey. But they've got this um, this rule where, you know, this fist spike things? Yeah. If you kill them, they, they do a mortal wound to you on a roll of a, something. I can't remember what, but yeah. it's enough that it's quite intimidating. <laughs> Especially because, I mean, not surprisingly, units like the Brutes, which get um, to re-roll hits against units with, I think it's five or more wounds, so Ogres effectively, when you're doing mortal wounds back at them for killing them, it can it's really damaging. It's almost, you almost want to sort of swamp them with a, with a horde unit, like a goblin unit, really, where they're not going to be too bothered by losing a goblin from a mortal wound rather than your brutes, which are innately better at dealing with them. Hmm. It's great. It's quite a really interesting army to play against. He, um, unfortunately, um, rolled four ones on one of his attacks Ugh. against my war boss and then got absolutely pounded, um, his tyrant, which is a real shame. Um, it was one of those moments in the game where actually I saw the dice hit the deck and I... I felt really bad. I was like, oh, it's kind of that epic battle has been turned into, you know, nothing, really. I think it's some, there's sometimes, especially when you're not a competitive player, where you watch a player's dice drop and you're like, oh, that's a real shame. I'm really sorry about that. You almost want to get them to re-roll them. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's like, even though it is a game of dice and chance, it's still frustrating when one sort of undoes your best plans. Yeah. One does the narrative a little bit because mm. it was it was sort of shaped up to be this huge duel between our two war bosses right in the middle, and it ended up with him firing his two pistols and missing, which he jokingly said, "I guess he's just pulled his pistols and fired them in the air like a like a pirate would or something." <laughs> and then he's charged down my war boss and just sort of flailed at him and gone. Rrr! And then my war boss has gone tonk, <laughs> knocked him straight dead. It was, um, I suppose, in some ways, it's quite funny. But um, you know, the I, the competitive streak in him, I think, was just killed dead on that point, <laughs> <laughs> which is a real shame. And I hate watching a player go through that because it's not. I think for me, I've said it before. I, I'm as much about the person I'm playing having a laugh as I am. Yeah, I think that's really important to me. Um, but there you go. 
Which I'll have we got time in this section to quickly talk about um Jervis Johnson's amazing article on um a code of conduct for Age of Sigma. I think so. Yeah, go for it. That is in the White Dwarf Two and it's a series of he's written a, a wonderful like, sort of reflection on how he was trying to approach setting a set of rules for particularly to deal with a problem that they were having which is people dragging out a turn to negatively impact their opponent in a tournament Mm. and um he tried a whole bunch of solutions including you know thinking about like chess clocks like they do in war machine actually but he found that none of them were really satisfactory and then he was reading a piece of evidence, and I can't remember from where, um, but it was a study done on people making choices. And um, I think it was to steal or not steal an item, actually. And what he found, the study proved scientifically, that if you remind people of their morals before they do something, they're more likely to behave in a moral way, if if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, and... Um, he thought, well, why not have that kind of approach to Age of Sigma, where you actually sort of go through these are the this is the way you should play. Um, we'd like you to bear that in mind and see what happens, and and that's what this article is about. But it's a really really nice set of guidelines on how to play in a nice kind of way, mm. um, so that everyone gets as much enjoyment from the game as possible. And there's one part of it that really struck home for me because. I'm, I've been notoriously unlucky, and so many people say this, but there was a period where I was playing in, in Games Workshop Plymouth where it became like a running joke that I, I would roll under 50% of what I should be doing. I mean, we've had that joke. You know, people kind of have known it. Yeah. And that's fine. I, it, it's never really bothered me that much. Um, but sometimes... You can find yourself playing a game and going, oh, I'm being so unlucky, or oh, look how many sixes you're rolling, and oh, you're jammy git, and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that he mentioned in the article was how he'd sort of commented on how his wife is unnaturally lucky at Blackgammon. And then on writing this article, he'd reflected about how much that takes away from how skilled she is at doing it too. And that really struck a chord with me, and I'm going to make a concerted effort not to criticise someone's dice rolling, not criticise, but complain about how lucky they've been or how unlucky I've been, because I think he's absolutely right. I can I can really... You know, people are playing the odds all the time in the game, and actually if you're being beaten by someone, it might be about the dice, but also there's a lot more to it than that. And if you're, criti- you're saying, oh, you're rolling so many sixes this game, I think it could... It, it can come across as you're not taking into account that they're actually playing well as well. And I, that really struck home for me. So personally, I'm going to take that a lot away from that article. And I've I've um, I've asked White Dwarf via their Facebook page to release a PDF version. So I'm going to laminate it and take it with me every time I play a game and, and read through it to try and just sort of ground myself again. Yeah, I think that I really... sort of thing's ideal, mate, to be honest. So that's... Yeah, I've got I've rounded on again pent up energy over a month. <laughs> Is there anything more you wanted to say in the Immortal Realms, dude, or should we doodle on over to the community? I think we'll doodle on over, dude. Cool. 
Well, I'll see you in the community then, fella. Third time lucky. <laughs> Hail, mighty community. We have tried to record this last night and I fell asleep. Um, and that isn't even an exaggeration. Just listen to Mortal Realms um, and the long <laughs> pauses towards the end. Um, there we go. That's uh, that's a family podcast for you of little children. And then we've um, we tried to do it again. And Ben's computer developed a mind of its own and started playing another part of the podcast back to him in the background. Um, yep. Excellent. So here we go. Um, Third time's a charm. Yep. And do you know what? The first two <laughs> times the intro was the best intro ever. The the greatest yeah. intro in the world as some this popular sun. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is just a, a tribute. So Ben, shout outs. Yeah, shout outs. Um, I love doing shout outs. Um, do you? I could do. I'm like, sure I've heard you 20. say that before. Yeah, only like thirty seconds ago. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I've chosen um two this week to uh, or this month to uh, two completely different reasons. So the first one is because um of his absolutely epic gloom spike gets um is Bobby Thompson and he's on Instagram as Bob Dogs Paints. Um, the dogs is with a Z. Obviously, the uh, links will be on our uh, release posts and uh, show notes. Um, and he's done uh, some really fantastic work on his gloom spike kits. There's loads of different colours going on. I suppose it's the reason why I sort of they caught my eye because um, they were they were kind of the sort of thing I was looking for. He's done some really cool stuff, like giving them blue gums with like screamer pink skin. So um, they're really colourful. Um, it's basic grots, sort of a yellowy, golden browny tone, which complements the purple really nicely. Um, and he's done his trolls in the kind of old, um, the greens that they did the the standard trolls that kind of came and went with Skull Pass. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I forget what they're called now. Um, Just trolls. Sour breath trolls. Oh right, yes. That's it wasn't yeah. Um, he's done those in sort of greens and flesh tones that I really like. Um, and, um, I might be pinching that, but the thing I really like about it is that he's really sort of open with his, um, with his, with his painting guides. He's sort of almost every model he's painted, he's got a, a post on Instagram telling people the colors he's used. Um, and I love that kind of thing, you know, people helping others to, to work out what's going on so they can, can have a shot themselves i think that's really awesome um what i was really cool what i thought was really cool scrolling back is having a look at some of his his earlier stuff um um that i hadn't seen obviously in before um is ultramarines just absolutely fantastic down and i know you like a bit of ultramarines but um uh i think i started following him when he was doing his Nighthawk, because they were quite striking in the red and blue, but way back before that, his Ultramarines particularly love his Redemptor Dreadnought. The weathering on it is um, is absolutely fantastic. So he's one to follow. Um, Bob Dog's Paints. The second one I wanted to give a shout out was because as I'm sort of trawling around looking for stuff, I often come across things that I think Dan would like. Um, and we've been talking a lot about 
you doing a world, e- world eaters army, haven't we, Dan? Um, and I came across a chap called Correctamundo Brushworks, which is an ace name. <laughs> and uh, he has done some absolutely superb world eaters stuff um, with like rusty chains all over them. And the weathering is just phenomenal. Um, he's big into his weathering. In fact, that's sort of one of the catch catchphrases of his um, of his account. Addicted to weathering, he's done sort of like Mechanicum stuff to mix in with the um, the corn units that's in white and red as well. I, I just think they're fantastic. I think they're absolutely great, um, and I think they link back to what we were talking about the last couple of ep- uh, episodes really nicely. Um, and to be honest, it's one of the best accounts of weathering that I've. I've come across. Yeah, I think it's absolutely superb. They're the ones I I linked to you the other day, Dan, um, with the the Leviathan dread. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, and it's great. It's one of those. It's one of those modelers that's clearly into telling a narrative with his models. Like there's a great one where uh, a guardsman's just about to get stomped by the Leviathan, and he's already lost leg, and he's trying to crawl away. This. It's fantastically done. Um, so yeah, great, great, great account for uh, weathering and and all things world eaters by the look. It's uh, correct a Mundo brushworks sounds um, excellent. So, <laughs> all things world eaters. Uh, yeah, and the last thing I'd like to shout out to is um, it's it's weird. I've n- I don't really understand Twitter. I, it's taken me a year and a half really to even remotely get my head around it because um, I've never used it before. Well, neither of us have, have we, Dan? And, um, nope, I still haven't re- used it a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> it's only occurred to me over the last couple of months how the communities are sort of formed. Because on Facebook, it's quite easy to have a community. They have a page, normally. Um, but on Twitter, it, it's, it appears to, and I might be completely wrong, and it would like cement my ignorance with the platform. Um, they use hashtags. So... Um, We've often used the hashtag warmongers, and it's only really become apparent for me over the last couple of weeks how much of a community that in itself is, the people who use hashtag warmongers. And um, I'd just like to say a huge thank you to that community for the um, the warm reception they gave my wife when she posted her first models and started an account this week. Um, it's really, really cool to see a community behaving in that way. Um, and it's absolutely everything I love about this hobby. So that's a huge thank you from me. Well, that's jolly nice of you. Well, it's not jolly nice of me. It's jolly nice of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And talking about jollies, you've got a few shout outs yourself. Oh, look at that segue. (laughs) Well, that's excellent. Except that this week I was going to concentrate mostly on the, um, competition. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. that's, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but good effort, though, mate. Good effort. I know. I tried. So shiny was the uh, the title, um, and that put me in mind of the crab from um, Moana. Moana, yeah, yeah. So I love that song. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that is absolutely fan- fantastic. Um, so anyway, if you've not seen that, go stop. What stop listening to this rubbish and go and watch that film because it's excellent and. The winner for for this month was uh, uh, Garrett with his Navigator. So absolutely fantastic. Really, really nice work. And that model's very, very small as well. So really good. Yeah. Um, Henry Steele's uh, Ab- Abaddon conversion, also very, very good. Ben's um, 
Blood Angel, very, very good. So a number of really, really nice entries. Thank you to everybody that entered. And I'm very sorry if I didn't shout you out then, because I could just go down the list of everyone. Um, but those ones popped in my head. So this month, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a bit late in the piece. It's halfway through the month. But that's still two weeks to enter. But you know why? Because it snuck up on you because it's stealth. That's why. It is stealth. It is. Is it? Yeah. It is stealth. Yeah, it, it is, is stealth. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if well, you chose it this month. So. Well, I chose it because I was looking at the new Space Marines in Shadow Spear, and I thought they looked cool, and people might yeah. want to paint some. So There's loads of options for this as well. I mean, you could do a Predator from Alien vs. Predator. You can do just about half the Tau range. Um, you could do um, sl- Slambo, Slimarbo. You could do... An Alpharius, you know, a member of the Alpha Legion. There's loads you can do. It's, it's, it's a nice topic. I quite like it. Have we even done a post about it? Yeah, I think we have. On the end of the other one. Hmm. Maybe something for you to go and check, Dan. Maybe. Maybe. Quick, put in some kind of filler. You could sing Shiny. I don't know the lyrics to Shiny. Not anymore. What? I used to. Well, that's a ridiculous excuse. Um. So, yeah, that... Um. That is the competition, so thank you very much. Now, those three, now, is it three? Yeah, it's been three. Yeah, the top three the top from the three first three from competitions. The, from the three will now be put into a post, which will be um, to win... On our main page. On our main page. Yeah. To win something cool that we have yet to decide. In in um, cooperation with Curtain Games, so it yeah. is going to be cool. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Don't be worrying. I don't think um, I have done a post, which is a bit poor, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yes, oh, yes. it's very poor. Yes, I have. In fact, I think you might have done it because there's a big stealth bomber there. No, that was you. Oh, okay. Well, I've done it. We're literally becoming more like a married couple every day. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tom, Tom has posted that fantastic image of the guy with like a big he's i don't know he's got like a big foil pipe that he runs along and he puts it over himself and then leans against the wall so it looks like it's oh, just yeah, a pipe yeah. coming out of the wall yeah I, I was expecting someone to post the raven guard gif where they're sneaking between the trees in power armor <laughs> that's always a good one <laughs> right so um now we've sort of covered that lot oh, i know we on, really are on, excited sorry I'm sorry, but I've got a shout. I wasn't going to go shouting out because I was going to say do the bit about the competition. But Simon, Roger, Brian, Andrews, those powers of Gulder are absolutely flipping stunning. They are. They really are. See, I've not been a fan up to now of the new Ring Wraith models, um, yeah. but they look great the way he's done them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. That is really good. And Sean, yep. stop flipping Peyton so much because you make me feel bad. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's smashing his hobby pledges, isn't he? <sighs> yeah. And Ian, what on earth, Ian? I I love House Cadmus. They're they're the dudes that I like. Um, and Ian's done them, but done them well. Uh, <laughs> and oh my goodness, they look so good. Oh dear, oh dear. This is not helpful. Not helpful no, at it's all. The- Mm. It's good. That's the whole point of this section, dude, is to shout at the people doing awesome work. I know. There really is some incredible stuff going on on our hobby forum, and it's a pleasure to see it every day. So, yeah. 
Oh, well, we're on hobby as well. Not that um, they'll necessarily be listening, but a massive well done to Mal, Mal and Dave um, for the Terrain Essentials Kickstarter, which has just smashed its way through everything. And um, it's closed now, but it is going to be brilliant, mate. I am so excited to get that book. Yeah, it's a, they're, they're great. And I, yeah, really, I am too. It's it's about time, really, to be honest. Yeah, the guy's forgotten more about terrain making than most hobbyists have ever known. So, yes, absolutely. Cool. So, right, I think Community I will survey. let you move on now. Well, if I if I don't push us forward, <laughs> we will never finish the episode. No, that's true. So we were going to have a chat about um, the community survey. I adore the community survey. It is a chance for everyone to get involved. I, I was slightly sceptical last year because I get dozens of, commu- of surveys from various different companies um, sent my direction, both from my profession and, and my hobbies, and nothing ever happens as a result of them, you know. So I was always sceptical. I always am sceptical to surveys, but I think it is fair to say that as a direct result of the last one, we have seen immediate changes, and um, that's really positive. It could be some of those things were already in the pipeline already, but I doubt I doubt they all were. Yeah. Um, so when I got, when the community survey dropped on my desk this week, um, I was super excited. Um, immediately filled it out. Um, because I I know I feel it in my bones that they they are genuinely taking heed of what we're list or what we're all saying, um, and doing their best to make this hobby as awesome as possible. So I would strongly encourage everybody who is at all interested in Games Workshop um, to grab five or actually it probably took me twenty minutes I think then um, of their time and go and sit down and do it. Um, and if you if you do it, there's a chance to win a Sisters of Battle Army, which might solve my previous conundrum on this. <laughs> um, darn it! Um, I will never win it. But there we are. So let, we were going to talk through sort of the themes and have a little chat about what we felt about those main themes to sort of not influence anyone in any way, but just because it's fun. Well, uh, basically, I um. I absolutely need to influence everyone to uh, write in to explain how Glade Guard for Wanderers are overpowered um, <laughs> because they have minus three ren. Um, that's my crusade. Hashtag uh, Glade Guard are too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do I, I don't at all struggle to beat a, an army which has only got a general's handbook update when I've had like three battle tomes since it came out. Not at all. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first up, I think they ask a bit about warhammercommunity.com, don't they? And what yeah, they sort do. of resources yeah. you'd like to see. So I know you've responded, as you've just said already. I've not done mine yet. Um, but I certainly will be. So what sort of things were you looking to see from from the resource online dude i i one of the things that they were asking is which one do i use the most and i found that a really difficult question to answer because i find a lot of it is really really good um and so the one that ended up at the bottom of the list was their twitch channel 
Um, but only because I don't manage to find the time to sit down and watch it. I'm always really interested to see what comes out of the conversations that are on there, and they often get posted secondhand by people. So um, I didn't really have a very very much to add to what they're offering already. I mean, I c- any resources they put up there would be super useful. Um, it would be cool to see it turn into a, a library of things, um, such as the the painting guides and that kind of stuff, mm. like organised on there in a in a slightly more accessible way. I thought that would be quite useful. Um, the only thing I thought to add was that as as well as all that they're already doing, doing sort of videos on tactica, sort of army tactics, or um, maybe the sort of background videos, um, in the same way that they do the painting videos. So how would you use a unit of these? You know, so you can, you've just bought your unit, you can go on there, you can type, you can search that unit, and you can watch a 10, 20 minute video on how someone who actually knows what they're talking about would use them. Yeah. Um so that's the only thing I could think of, of adding. I, for me, the thing I, I I go on community page every day because um, I enjoy a lot of the articles. I read most of them. Um, I tend to find I get enjoyment from places that I don't, I didn't expect to. So sometimes I'll look at the title of an article and think, "Oh, I'm not really all that interested in it," but I've made it a habit to give them a shot because there's almost always something interesting in there that I didn't see coming. Yeah. So, and, and mainly because I think one of the beauties of this hobby is so many people do it in different ways that it's it's really cool to see how somebody else approaches something or see see what somebody else has done or hear what their view is on it because I haven't seen it that way and I've I actually had a really kind of enlightening moment with sat talking to Joe where she schooled me on Age of Sigma like flat out because um, she painted her Sylvaneth and they're she's. They're all pretty. She's like, I don't see why you have to make everything so grim and and grimy and covered in blood because things can look pretty while they're defending themselves, don't you know? There's room for that in Age of Sigma. I'm sure there is. And I was like, I have just been schooled. (laughs) 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 And she's completely right. You know, there is room for that. There is somewhere in Age of Sigma, there will be an army of Sylvaneth that like kick ass while looking good at the same time. And there will be a unit of almost all of them who did, you know, any race apart from maybe corn. I think, perhaps. No, that's it's not a unit. It's the entire collection of corn. Who aren't going to look all good. shiny and, and pretty while they're doing while it. While they're kicking butt. But anyway, I mean, the, the point was made very, very well. That actually, you know, I would never have painted my models in the way she's painted hers. Um, and she would never paint hers in the way I paint mine. And, and having those perspectives put into articles, I find really eye-opening so i always give every one of them a shot that's yeah how about you what did you what do you find your interaction with the warmer community um so firstly i think that they um they they should pay an obscene amount of money to uh, a dude from uh, bristol and one from bodmin to talk every couple of weeks on uh, the community that's that's my top level feedback um, yeah. Them. So underneath that, I think that your idea, and and I will be honest, I've just blatantly just heard you say it and thought, actually, that's a flipping great idea. Background video type yeah. things or podcasts, because so again, time wise, 
So it's, it's all about making everything accessible. So I love the Horus Heresy, for example. Lots of side bits and pieces have gone on in the Heresy that I don't know about. And I don't, I don't currently have time to read umpteen books to get to know it all. Um, yeah. So it would be wonderful to have, you know, some little mini snippets or updates just so that you kind of could fill in a few blanks, you know? Yeah. So like you yeah. could have a, you could have each of the settings and you could have, you know, you could have Age of Sigma, the Realm Gate Wars, and it could do the Realm Gate Wars, obviously. And then the Soul Wars, and you could have Battles of the All Points and, you know, what are God Beasts? And there's like a, a chat through what God Beasts are. Um, that would be ace, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, th- I thought so. Yeah, I think, I think I did spend a long time trying to think of an answer to that one because, um, that's a good idea. I, I will give you that. That is a good idea. Um, and the other thing I'd like to see is more of the resource like, so War Scroll Builder, I think mm. is excellent. Um, Combat Roster, I haven't really used much. It, it didn't quite do it for me. Um, but it would be great to see something closer to the type of thing Battle Scribe is, maybe. But like, do the same for Blood Bowl, Necromunda. I mean, there are some great community resources. Um, and so there's no reason they can't just get in contact with those guys. Yak Tribe, which does the builder for Necromunda, is excellent. Um, um, you know, with a little bit of, um, technical know-how and jiggery pokery or whatever, that could be incorporated in. I think that would be really good to see. Um, yeah, those are my couple of cents, I think, on the, the website. Like you, I do visit, um, Warhammer community every day just to have a look see what's on there um so yeah that um so the so the second thing uh events so what did you what did you what feedback did you have Ben for events um I'm a big fan of all the events that I've been to so far at Warhammer World and I said as much and um I'm I haven't been to many, but I've been to enough and we, we hear enough feedback from people locally to know that the events being run by local games workshops and, uh, local independent community stores are, um, are really good as well. Particularly you've got, um, big up there doing great work and I told them about that and, um, and curtain as well and, um, um, dark star gaming, terror games, all putting on great events. I did say that, um, I thought it would be cool if they if they gave a little bit more support to those uh, independent um, tournaments, but um, I, I wasn't really sure how how they could could do that. If that makes any sense, maybe like a tournament pack or something. I don't know, hmm. but um, I, I couldn't clarify it very easily. Yeah. That was my two pence worth. Um, they did um, on events. They did also ask about, um, which I thought was quite interesting. They asked about both game systems and what I felt about some of the rules and I, I'm not going to talk about the individual rules because you know frankly everyone's got an opinion on those and they're all going to be different and um that's what the survey's about and some of us will like the rules and some of them some of us won't and my view is generally as a rule I'd rather keep them in um because you know you can choose not to use them rather than not have them there and then make up ones if that makes any sense at all 
Uh, they asked about uh, feedbacks, ways we can prove the three styles of playing. Um, so open narrative and matched. I didn't have a great deal to say on matched because I don't play much of it. I thought some kind of in un- unwrapping kind of series of events thing for narrative games would be quite cool. So if this happens, then that happens, and it's sort of like a tree where as you play the game, you you know you unfold the narrative a bit like in a way. Things like Blackstone Fortress, that kind of stuff, where yep. you know your, your choices and outcomes and small objectives play a part on the end result. Um, but I didn't, again, I didn't really know. That's kind of for their rules writers to come up with a way of doing that, I guess. <laughs> um, and finally, open play, uh, I, I said, you know, as little as possible, really, because you know, open play is about doing whatever you want. Um, having toolkits like the stuff in, um, Chapter approved for, you know, making your own orc vehicles. That was cool. I'd like to see more of that. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's something struck me when uh, they were talking about, I think it was the Foxcast interview with Pete Foley. He was talking about the three ways to play um, and how he, for each one of them, when they were designing it, he pinned up like a, a picture of um, the person he felt best epitomized that style of playing. Um, and for open play, he, he had a guy who would quite happily just meet up with his mate, set their armies up on the table, and then just sit and have a beer and look at the armies on the table. And that was quite often how <laughs> they enjoyed their hobby. Yeah. Um, and I, I really liked that. And I think that's, I've done that. I know I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I could relate to that. And I think that open play should be as much, as little as possible, really, as, as free as possible. What did you think about events, dude? Um, so it is good to see them supporting external events. I think that's cool. I think it's quite challenging. I think it's yeah. harder than people maybe expect because if you're going to put your name to something, you need to understand that it's got certain levels of commitment. And yeah, yeah. with the greatest respect, you know, there, there's there's some events that are fantastic. There's some events that are full of passion, but maybe don't tick all the boxes um, that Games Which want ticked. So, because ultimately people are doing them in their free time, yeah, uh, a lot of them. So, uh, I but I do think it is cool that they support some of those. Um, for me, I would like to see more painting events. Um, particularly, there are some great people out there, but but some stuff around like. I've said quite a lot. I'd love it if the army painters did some weekends, you know? Uh, yeah. All about how to get great results quickly. Yeah. And I think yeah. that would really support some of the stuff they've been doing recently about battle-ready painting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just how can I get an army on the table that I can be proud of, but don't? it doesn't take me forever? And you'd think that that was surely a good thing and something that they'd be pushing. And I'll be interested to see what comes out of this grey no more thing that's been. Yeah, well, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because as well as having one of the best videos they've ever done, <laughs> yeah. without any doubt at all, the biggest barrier to people spending money on more soldiers is the amount of soldiers they have unpainted in their house. Yeah. Um. I, I, and, and, you know, I know everybody's in a different position. Um, and I, I don't wish to offend anyone by being generic, but I, I would say 
absolutely when i go into a games workshop and and to be fair i'm not a great example of somebody who's fantastic with financial stuff but that that is the thing that weighs on me more than any other consideration more than any consideration over the actual cost and the money being spent is have i got stuff already to do yeah and can i justify it against that backdrop so yeah. anything that they can do to overcome that hurdle and that's why I'm saying painting events for me, on events wise, um, and for the the different ways to play, I I'm I'm I love the different ways to play and the fact they're publicised and I think it's a really good way to have done it, um, to open people up to the ideas of different ways of playing. However, for me personally, I. I, I didn't need that to be done for me because I, I got it. Like yeah. before the three ways to play were a, a thing, I was quite happy to play narratively or just throw down all my soldiers. And that, that's not to say that they, they shouldn't have done it. I think they absolutely should have. And I think it's brilliant. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't really have much like you. I don't play a lot of matched play and actually I'm not. I don't really feel an affinity with matched play and therefore I'd be I'd be hesitant to comment too much because it would be coloured by my own feelings. Yeah, absolutely. But, that's, that's exactly why I didn't answer it. It's, it's up for the people who enjoy it. To, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you will never convince me that Gilliman and a bunch of assassins is, is fun or whatever, no. you know. Um narrative oh to be honest vigilus is blowing that out of the park i think what you were saying was really really good um if anything for narrative i think going back to models it would be great to see them expand on things like imperial guard regiments and stuff like that and yeah. add in add maybe add in some like civilian miniatures and stuff like imperial type objective civilians or vehicles things that could be used as objectives oh that's a really good idea yeah that'd be yeah. quite cool wouldn't it sort of c- civilian equipment yeah or e- or even like um like the the imperial version of a four-ton truck you know yeah yeah exactly like, yeah. yeah that's exactly what was in my head actually I was yeah. thinking that sort of thing so yeah that's that and uh and open play much like you i think it's just Leave it alone. Leave it alone, really. I mean, what what can you really add? Any time you add anything, you it's it's some form of restriction, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, in some way. Agree. Um, yeah, maybe a a book about the best beers of the world to drink while you're looking at your army. <laughs> yeah, Bug, um, Bugman's guide on on uh, getting slowly tippled while you're playing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, right. So the last section was on. Uh, Codexes, wasn't it? And army books. And you had a bit to say about this. Did I? Well, you said that you would leave it to last because. Yeah, only to try and give myself time to think of something to say. (laughs) 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 Uh, Okay, go on then. Well, I haven't thought anything yet. Okay, well, I'll go. (laughs) I I felt that um, I'd like to see more history and background. Is essentially my feedback. Um, the more that's in there, the, the better, Frank, as far as I'm concerned. And, um, it, even if it goes back to a return to sort of background books that we haven't seen 
I don't think we've seen enough of for a while. Books like um, uh, The Uniforms and Heraldry of the High Elves, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, yes. Um, I, I did. I have my sort of reservations about them because they did make it very difficult to find space to do your own thing in Warhammer Fantasy Battle. That that's that's definitely a problem with them. But there's m- enough room in Age of Sigma that they could release, uh, like the, you know, the heraldry and organization of Hammerfall or something, and you could do whatever you wanted anywhere else. Yeah, you know, just just a little bit of stuff or. You know, but there we go. You know that that was my only thing, I, and that's only because I just love background. But I, it's not like they aren't working hard to fill those gaps anyway. So, but um, yeah, that's me. Hmm. Um. What do I think for codexes? Oh, points review. I did have some. They asked us how often to point. We'd like to see a points review, and I said three months because I didn't feel they were. It wasn't like they were busy enough putting out a codex every month anyway. I thought. <laughs> A points review every three months. It's probably completely unrealistic if I'm being genuinely honest. I think six monthly would be more realistic. But um, you know, do you know how much it matters to me? Not much. Not at all. I I I really just don't care. I I do. You know, don't get me wrong. When I notice something's gone down in points, I'm like woot or whatever. But it, it just, I just, it's just not. It well, much like I said about. Match play, it's, it's not something that matters to me. No. The only no. reason that points matter is because I'd, I'd like to have something to work towards. And yep. I like to know there is something nice about playing a game which is it is essentially balanced. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... I just don't think the odd tweak here or there at the level that I play at is going to make much high, of a difference. Is going to make much of a difference. No, but that's they're very still true. cool that it's in there. You know, because actually, if you were really into match play, how often points are reviewed is going to mean a lot to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, codexes wise, things I'd like to see. I like. I'd like to see stuff um, like you, background wise, but. But organisation, the nitty gritty of of army organisation and things. So, like the old big pictures of um, uh, what what does a chapter look like? What does a company look like? Yeah, because um, I think some of that stuff that was so well ingrained previously is not so clear now. Particularly with like the Space Marines, who who are organ- an organised force. Um, but that, for me, that ticks my collector box. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm working with collections. Um, absolutely, without a doubt, somewhere in this survey, I am going to go on a bit of a a passion, an impassioned plea for transfers um, to support <laughs> yes. other things. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, I think that would be really good. Yeah. Um, It'd be quite nice if they did... You know, they do the cards. Yeah. It'd be good if they did a card for the items. Like, Oh, yeah. So that you could like you could have that out in front of you on the table. That That's a really good I, idea. Which yeah. items yeah. you've taken, that would be pretty sweet. Frankly, I'd just like to see unit cards for 40k. I mean, I don't think it's copy and Age of Sigma too much to have them. No. Um, no. Probably not. Um... 
Yeah, I mean, I quite, I quite like the codex. Sorry, I'm making bloody loads of racket moving around on my chair just so I can look over at, at the wall, um, with all my codexes on to decide what I'm going to say next. Yeah, really interesting. <laughs> Fascinating. Well, Fascinating on that insights. huge bombshell, <laughs> yeah. Dan is, I, Dan is I have nothing satisfied more to with say. <laughs> with his, uh, co- his contribution on codexes. <laughs> I, I am satisfied with uh, codexes. Cool. So, um, like we said at the start, we really encourage people to um, go and answer the community survey because it's clear from the past ones that they are actually taking on board what we say, and I think it's hugely important. Not what you say, though. No, not what I say. No one does. No, if no. um, if for some reason any of you notice that I started to sound weird halfway through this section, it's because my brand new microphone just decided to stop working halfway through, which I'm immensely gutted about. Um, and trying trying to do the listeners a ser- a good service. That's what it's doing. Yeah. 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 Anyway, there was much swearing involved. That's all been exited out, but um. That's now sitting in the corner in shame. Um, well, I'll throw it back at Amazon <laughs> with a mortar or something. Anyway, so, uh, next section is Into the Wilds, and, um, I'm gonna get a, a glass of something, and we'll see you there. Hi guys, and uh, welcome to the wilds. I'm still recording through my laptop. If it sounds dodgy, I really apologise, but um, uh, it was more important to us to get the episode out than um, to wait for a new microphone, which would have taken another week, I'm sure. Anyway, there's a few things to talk about in the wilds today. Um, Dan's got um, uh, Black Seas by Warlord Games, you'd like to mention briefly. Um, I've got Test of Honour and Gods of War, which are roughly the same sort of system, and... Um, I've also got a little bit of a lament about Alien vs. Predator, which I'll start with, I think. Um, gutting Alien vs. Predator, Dan, is all I can say. So, Prodos Games have yep. announced that come the end of April this month, um, they are ceasing production uh, and stopping retail of um, Alien vs. Predator. Now, I haven't been able to really track down exactly, because they're not being... They're not posting exactly why that's the case. Um, I should imagine that it's very much, uh, and the the consensus seems to be, especially considering how clean the cut has been, that they've been they've effectively announced it, and within one month they're stopping. Um, that it's it's to do with the um, IP, um, which of course has now been bought by Disney, and uh, when they purchased uh, Fox and um, Clearly, they weren't happy for one reason or another, uh, and they've they've stopped stopped Prodos from having the IP. That's that's the speculation. Um, that is all it is because um, I haven't seen anything official. What I am is completely gutted about it, Dan, because I I'd ummed and out about it. I love the the setting. I do love the models they've produced. Um, whether I like the game or not is almost irrelevant. Um, and I've been stuck in this position where this month I've got nowhere near as much as I'd wanted uh, of a range that I'm never going to see again. And I'm devastated about it, really. Um, yeah, I'm sure you are, mate. I know you really 
through all the ups and downs of the range, I know you were really passionate about it. I wanted it to succeed. Really, really wanted it to to succeed. Um, I put in an order um, to, to get the, the, some of the stuff that I wanted. Um, but it, it, it is what it is. And um, I'll enjoy painting them and putting them up on my shelf. If nothing else, because they're fantastic models of a fantastic series of films, frankly. Um, and, that, and that's... I guess they've become like one of those legacy games where there's never going to change. It is what it is. And the models are nice enough that hopefully the community will pick up where they left off. Yeah. Um, I guess. Uh, I should imagine, hopefully, that um, seeing as Disney have already got like working relationships with fantasy flight games with Star Wars, that we might see another company take over the Alien vs. Predator franchise. Um, look forward to seeing what that produces. Um but there we go. That's 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 that, and it's it's a sad sort of end to forty two episodes of me whinging about scale. I but, I uh, hope <laughs> I know that they've got another thing, haven't they, Prodos? They've got a few other things, but I just I just hope there's yeah, not. There's I mean, business. to be honest, they could be completely different businesses. I don't really know a lot about them, but I hope we don't see a similarity with because if you remember, Spartan Games had Halo. Yeah. And yeah. um, they put a lot of time and R and D into Halo, and, and ultimately the business collapsed. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, would be a shame yes, if that was the outcome. Yeah. yeah. Um, the second thing I wanted to talk about, um, just news, kind of really, Test of Honor, which was done by uh, Warlord Games, um, has is in its second edition. So Test of Honor is a samurai skirmish game. It used um, really old. Plastic sculpts by Warlord Miniatures, um, as it's in its starters box. I don't know what's going to be in the new starters box, but, um, essentially it's been produced by Footsaw or the models for Footsaw, which then became, um, oh, War Banner. Um, the War Banner games, War Banner games was far too close to Warhammer for, and I think that's probably very true. And now they've become, I think it's Black Tower or Black Sentinel or something, or Dark Dark Tower or something like that. Um, but essentially, new company in a sense, um, producing Test of Honor 2. And I will post the link up, but the models that are already coming out of that, I've spoke about the Seven Samurai already, haven't I? A couple of episodes back. Um, but some of the other stuff coming out is, is really awesome. So if you're into samurai fighting, um, samurai films, any of that, and you're into wargaming, it, it's, it's shaping up to be a really cool option for that. Um, mm. I, I will almost certainly be picking some of them up as soon as I painted the last, uh, last lot. Um, because there's a few people at a club who play it and, um, or want to play it. So, um, quite excited about that. Um, Almost like it's a sister game. There's a game called Gods of War, which has caught my eye, um, which is made by the same people and is um, ancient Greece. Um, I cannot get away from the idea of how awesome, like a unit of hoplites where there's wicked shields and Corinthian helms would be to paint. We can't so, talk about this um, subject. No, no, because. I started listening <laughs> just this morning, actually. Uh, I was on the way to work and I thought I could listen to some podcasts about history. And the first one I listened yeah. to was about the myth of of Spartan invincibility um, and talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. Um, Spartans, basically, and how that, that came about. Um, 
And Did, does it talk about how the myth was crushed when they were surrounded on an island and arrowed, shot to death, effectively yes, until they surrendered? It, it actually they, does mention that yeah. that um, that uh, the fracturing of the Spartan myth that they'd never surrender and they, yeah, yeah, fascinating little piece of history that. But um, yeah, it it it, it was. Um, I particularly like the bit where they were talking about when Xerxes said, you know, lay down your weapons and they responded with come and take them. Yeah. I thought that was pretty ballsy. Um, but it made me think about, about fact. But the thing, I think the thing with historical war games is actually what I have is a desire to collect the miniatures and just have them on the shelf. Yeah. That's, that's um, half my problem with these is that I know I couldn't do a skirmish game of, of, of Roman stuff or redcoats because I couldn't have a skirmish game of Romans or redcoats. I need a battalion of redcoats and a legion of, because <laughs> that's just look awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, you would, did you want to talk a little bit about black seas by warlord games? Well, I did, but really it's just going to be my usual me getting excited about something with no actual body or content to the excitement. Cause, uh, there isn't, there isn't a lot to be said on it. It was absolute. Um, I've seen a few bits and pieces I haven't watched. There was an interview with them, which I want to watch. Um, it is essentially everything I've always wanted uh, in that it is a naval battles game set in... Napoleonic era. The Age of Sail, yeah. basically, in, in the Napoleonic times. Um, so Trafalgar... Um, in and around that time, which is just perfect. Um, it, there was another one, Oak and Iron by the people that did Blood and Plunder. Yeah. And I was really interested in that, but it was just that bit too early for me because Blood and Plunder is set obviously in the golden age of piracy, which is earlier yeah. than, than that. So it, it, it was almost like I was gutted when I saw the time period. And then when I've seen this, I was just like, that is amazing. Um, Ma- massive, massively interested in it. I, I hope that when it comes along, I can position myself so that I feel that I can, you know, spend some time painting those. Um, it will depend really on new baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. And lot, lots of factors really, uh, uh, finances and all the rest of it, but it's certainly something that it, it yeah, it really does appeal, really appeals to me. Uh, um, the final thing for me is, uh, Modifius have just released a whole bunch of barricades and sort of resiny scenery to do with, um, Fallout. And the fact that AVP has disappeared, gone the way the dodo has made me super worried about Fallout. So we were having a chat, weren't we, Dan? And I, I'm going to invest a little bit every month to ch- because I could just see them going, um, now. Whereas naively, I thought they'd be around forever because everyone loves fallout and everyone will buy it so um i'm now not quite so sure um so i'll be investing a little bit in that but they're they're really cool barricades made up of like a like a post-apocalyptic barricades but with bits in them that are the style of fallout so like the nuka-cola machines and all that kind of stuff they're really cool um and great pieces of scatter train um for a for a fallout table so um quite interested in those um yeah, so that, that is kind of our news rundown on the things that have interested us from the outside of the Warhammer hobby. Um, 
within slightly within the Warhammer hobby. We're very excited to see the Battle Companies is on the horizon, but we will talk about that more next time. Yes. Um, just to finish the episode, um, we'll do a normal thanks. So, as always, massive thank you to the Patreons because um, this month, more than any month, you've, we've literally allowed the podcast to happen. Um, you know, with support to to be able to purchase a new microphone. Um, it wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, it's a bit gutting that it's failed at the last minute this time, but I will send it back and get a new one because Amazon allow you to do that kind of awesome stuff. Um, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at the Two Piece Podcast. Come and hang out, have a chat, throw us messages. We'll interact as much as our time and jobs allow. Uh, which brings us me, or me and us on to the last point of the episode, um, which is we've had a, a good chat about it. And with the upcoming arrival of, um, Jolly Junior Mark II, um, it's going to be increasingly hard for us to put out an episode every two weeks and for us to put the amount of passion and energy and time into crafting those episodes we like. Um, because it does take a, a while to edit these. Um, and it takes a while to carve out the time to record them as well. Um, so we've made the decision um, to monthly episodes for, uh, I would have thought, at least six months until things settle down. Um, we will obviously keep up the content on the social media pages. Um, we might find time to write um, more blog posts in the meantime, because they, they take slightly less time. So that, that might be something that happens. Um but we hope that you all understand that that's the position that we're in and it is to ensure that we can keep on doing this for as long as we can without burning out in a puddle. Um, anything you'd like to add, Dan, to that? Um, just to echo what you said at the end there, really, I think we love doing the podcast. Um, we always did it so me and you could chat. We really enjoy it. We are overwhelmed by the amount of positive support we get. Um the, the truth is that it takes, you know, however long the podcast actually is, if you times that by three, that's a, a good indication of, you know, the time to edit it. Yeah. And then you've got the time to actually record it as well. Um, we're really, really, really fortunate that our families are quite understanding. Um, but actually, you know, if you took a two hour episode and and said that was probably eight hours to produce which is fine. Um, however, that, that all that time comes away from the free time used to do that, to, to do the hobby. Yeah. And certainly for me, um, and I know for you, Ben, as well, with some recent changes, it, it started to, <laughs> the danger is that there's no, there's not enough, there's not as much to talk about passionately on the podcast because we haven't had the chance to do the hobby to talk about. Yeah. Um, so what's really important to us though is we love doing this. We don't want to stop. Um, we want to, to keep it coming out. We want to keep in touch, really, um, with you guys. And um, at some point in the future, leap back in. Uh, but we've always been a family podcast. Um, and family and comes this first. Is, and family comes first, yeah. It's yeah, the bottom line, about isn't it? Getting that balance um, right. So basically, we're just breeding a new set of co-hosts. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> oh my dear! When we return, my son as a as a host on this is just apocalypse waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, can you imagine them both? Oh dear! 
Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Um, sorry about the change in um, microphone halfway through. Um, the computer one really isn't as good as quality as we'd like, but it is, needs must. And um, we will see you for the next episode. If you haven't already, go on our for- hobby forum and paint a model in stealth and throw it in the category because um, we love to see people's entries. Bye.